Blog Talk Radio. Riu riu shiu la guarda rivera, Dios guardo el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios guardo el lobo de nuestra cordera. Riu riu shiu la guarda rivera, Dios guardo el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. El lobo rabioso la quiso morder, mas Dios poderoso la supo defender. Quiso le hacer que no pudiese pecar, ya no original es tu virgen no tuviera. Riu, riu, shiu, la guada rivera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Esta que es nacido es el gran monarca, Cristo patriarca de carne vestido, y han nos redemido con serce chiquito, aunque infinito, finito se hiciera. Riu, riu, shiu, la guada rivera, Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Dios cuadro el lobo de nuestra cordera. Oye, Javi, ponle fuego, vamos. <risa> Welcome to another edition of Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches, a podcast from the Geek Girls perspective. And I am the head hauntress. And uh, it's been actually two months since our last uh, meeting of the minds here at Sexy Witches. Uh, lots of reasons for that. But um, it's been a rough eight weeks for a lot of people. The panel, other people, extended family, uh, we have a lot to talk about, good, bad, and the ugly. Um, and uh, we're going to start out with some of the, This was our post bear Christmas episode. It always is. And happy holidays, everyone. Uh, we always talk about, at the end of the year, some kind of big film, tentpole film that we want to talk about this year's choice was West Side Story. We are still going to review West Side Story uh, for sure in this first hour. Um, because it will actually coincide with all of the grief and sadness that's going on uh, <laughs> surrounding the sexy witches at this time. Um, I'm actually rather sad today because um, let me bring all my, my sexy witches first, and then we'll talk about it. Uh, first of all, I want to bring on my sexy witch co-host in Nevada still, right? You right, got it. Nevada. Okay, good. <laughs> in Nevada, <laughs> my my enchantress of Nevermore. Please welcome to the show, Raven Jasper Hawk. How you doing? You're on with the sexy bitches. Howdy, howdy. Howdy, oh, howdy. Getting over some junk, but oh, uh, I'm hanging in there. But not COVID. No, different junk. No. Yeah. So, but you know, good because different COVID dumpster is, fire. Yeah, oh, well, and then there's never a new, there's never lending dumpster fires everywhere. Anyway, but, yeah, 
we're gonna have we're gonna talk is. some sad stuff today, but we're also gonna talk some happy stuff today because life is about beginnings and ends, and there's still the love of movies in the center of it all. So let me bring on my other sexy witch, my cousin, my uh, comrade at arms, my media convention connoisseur from Orange County, the warlock himself. Please welcome to the show, Aaron Kogan. How you doing, sir? You're on with the sexy witches. Hello? 714, you're on with the sexy witches. I think they are on mute. Okay, well, they're on. Uh, he's there. I see him. I don't know why he's not answering. You are mm-hmm. definitely on, sir. You are on, sir. Okay, I'm trying to ping him. Anyway, but hopefully he'll hear us. Um, if not, we can keep going. And uh, I hope he's there. I'll just I'll figure I mean, it out. Literally, I see this person. Oh, they're gone. They're not there now. He'll come back. He'll be back. (laughs) They always uh, come back. They always come back. Uh, They're like bad pennies, right? Uh, (laughs) So um, I'm a little, I'm having a hard time talking. Aha, let's bring him on. Let's see. Yeah. Is it working? There we go. Hello, you're on with the sexy witches again. some, Some dude just said unmuted really loud so and that wasn't on my phone so i don't know what's going on hello you all hello you all? how you doing hanging in there how about yourself um or do you like hanging I'm... in there erin <laughs> uh, yeah are you hanging well, I, I mean i feel like i've been through a cheese grater but i'm here mm. <laughs> so um, how about you yeah how are you doing uh, not bad it's it's been a year right it's it's yeah. been kind uh, of a year in the past eight weeks. Uh, yeah, it has been. Um, <laughs> and um, and we are going to talk fun stuff today. We're definitely going to talk. But I wanted to take this first half hour and talk about a couple of, of well, I was going to talk about two, but now I'm going to add a third person into this half hour. I'm going to lead off with them. Um, so we have a mutual friend, the Sexy Witches does. Um, his name is J.T. Smith. He was a member of my Halloween horror movie Marathon Madness and was yeah. a very enthusiastic player. Uh, he actually even won his rookie year, which was kind of unprecedented. No one's ever come in and just yeah. take everything over. And, and he ended up becoming a pretty good friend. He's an excellent supporter of the podcast. Uh, he's a friend with a lot of us um, on Facebook. Even if we haven't met him in person, he was always super supportive, super nice, and always was, yeah. you know, a great person to talk movies with. Well, uh, we got some really sad news this morning. Um, he passed on yesterday. Um, he was younger, younger than us. Um, I don't mm. can't really honestly give the cause of death because it hasn't been confirmed, but. Um, He's been in the hospital since December 1st, so you can figure oh. that out. Um, yeah. It's, it's um, absolutely devastating. I actually cried at work because um, I was just like, you know, someone so young and so beautiful, that shouldn't happen to. Um, yeah. yeah. Fucking shit. I'm sorry. I'm actually really sad. But, I, I, but you know, this is the second person I've known since I've been on um, – Doing the horror movie marathon, Madness has died, and they've both been mm-hmm. younger than me. Right. And 
you know, one was James, who I absolutely loved. He was one of my favorite people in the entire world. But, you know, it's just kind of sad. You know, I I can't even get into it more than that. I just, my thoughts are with his friends and family right now. And um, I hope that their grief and closure, they get the closure they need. And I'm really sorry Mm. for their loss. So, anyway. Sorry about that. Not at all. It's, that was like a cherry on top of everything else this last year. Yeah. I I yeah. broke down oh. at a at a Comic Con panel this year. <laughs> top that. Oh my wow. god. Well, that's right. Yeah. You went to Comic Con since you... we've talked. Yeah, we're gonna mini... go though. That's the way to do it. How was the mini yeah. Con, yeah. Comic Con thing? I saw some good pictures. Well, it's kind of fun. Yeah, it, it was fun. Uh, it was definitely stripped down. Uh, there was one gentleman cosplaying Alvin and the Chipmunks, and we seemed to bump into him every 15 minutes. So that should give you a, an idea of the size of the con this year. And um, Maybe he was just stalking you. <laughs> maybe. Um, uh, it was a great um, fucking masquerade this year. And uh, John Cena showed up as a surprise uh, as Peacemaker, uh, and that was kind of fun. And there were a couple cool things outside, um, but what really struck me, uh, I I went to three spectacular panels. Um, Two had to do deal with grief in uh, particular uh, pop culture things. Uh, The people who uh, were speaking to it were geeks, but also uh, like professional psychiatrists, and one was a grief therapist. And so they were addressing WandaVision in particular. Uh, they nice. were addressing uh, the Winter Soldier 10-issue uh, run, uh, Longest Winter. Uh, they touched on Owl House, which I have yet to see, but it is on my list because of uh, these my, panels. My daughter loves that show. Like, oh, right on. It. Yeah, no, and I, it, but it I got can't canceled wait. for being too woke. Oh. Here. You're kidding me. I'm not kidding. What a shame. Too, yeah, was... no, I, actually, now that you mention it, they did mention something about how there were a couple characters who uh, were gender fluid. So, yeah, I guess I could see. But it's Disney Plus. Disney Plus yeah, doesn't care about uh, they people getting did upset. This time. They did. They did. Oh. They That's even for I'm them. sorry to hear that. Yeah. Oh, I'm really sorry my to hear da- that. My daughter's but... in denial about it. Like, she's so mad. Aw. Yeah. Damn it. Well, maybe as a comic book they'll pick up. They've done that with a couple things. But, you know, but anyway, I shouldn't be calling her thing... daughter. She'd be pretty mad at me right now. i got to use the they, them pronouns. So they ah, are very. very good. The Owl the House, House is exactly a, a good for that. If you understand that. Evil is genderless. Mm-hmm. Evil uh, has but, no gender. You know, it's interesting. You know, my my you know my evil genius is have is the, the the there's just so much more to offer on television for everybody than there used to be. Uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and our geekdom was much more narrower. And uh, I'm I'm going to bring it back to uh, the two people, two celebrities in my life that mattered to me a yeah. lot and informed me as a teenager in particular, one of them. 
but uh, but in the beginning, one of my first loves to meet my mom. She actually had a pretty good taste in music, and uh, she spun 45s and, you know, various stuff, and it was the 70s, so, you know, lots of hippie music and Star Wars disco and, you know, things along those lines. It was fun stuff. She, but she also was a super geek. She had all the hmm. William Shatner albums, and she had all the Broadway <laughs> albums, and she also had a, you know, she just... Uh, can you? I mean, I I do transport man from beginning to end because of wow. If they also had, which was actually really good, and I've been trying to find a reissue, is the Dark Shadows soundtrack from the um, nice. from the TV show. Um, she had it on vinyl, and it, it was actually surprisingly good. Like like really good. The music on the show is kind of underrated, actually. Uh, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. And there's some good poetry going on too. Um, so mm-hmm. th- I highly recommend seeking that out. Um, but um, <laughs> I digress. My mom. But you know, there's. But one of the things that she sat me down and made me watch was the monkeys. Like that was our thing in the afternoons. We watched the monkeys, and I fell in love with the monkeys. And I love the show to this day. And I'm a huge fan of Michael Nesmith, who passed last week. Um, you know, and yeah. like who wants Michael Nesmith? He's the tall one with the wool hat, but he's so much more than that. He was a writer. Mm-hmm. He was a folk singer. Um, he was an innovator in his own right. He was so creative that they invented Grammys for him. Uh, you know, it, it, he he was absolutely yeah. the whole package. He was one of us. He was a geek also. Uh, you know, everything about him was fascinating, even to the trivia tip that everybody uses is mom invented whiteout, uh, you know, <laughs> made him a millionaire, <laughs> you know, which is kind of cool, a weird way to get it. You know, <laughs> I always I always loved Peter Tork. And, and Michael Nesmith because they were the musicians on the monkeys while Davy yeah. Jones and Mickey Dolans were the performers. You know, they were the ones that would mm. give them a hat and a cane and they'll do a number. Right. Um, yeah. But I always, thought it was always funny that Michael Nesmith and Peter Tork always quit. And the other guy's like, it's not so bad. This is okay. This is okay. You know, it was <laughs> always like, they were always like so annoyed all the time. Yeah, we quit. And then, of course, they wrote Head, which is one of the most, like, meta. Sh- that was meta before they even had a word for it. Um, but I, mm. I, I, wanted, I wanted to throw it to the panel if they have any feelings about this passing, because it actually hit me pretty hard. Uh, I, you know, I, I was like, ooh, you know, it, you're, I'm not really a, a person for nostalgia, but, you know, these are people that, you know, I have early, early memories of, like, like informing my geekdom as I know it now. And, and he was truly an innovator in his own right. Yeah. Um, I, I knew about the, the trivia because uh, my dad used to run a trivia contest in Roseburg, Oregon. And I remember that being one of the the winning questions, but um, I was a latchkey kid. Uh, so the monkeys were my babysitter for a very long time because uh, it started right when I got home from school as well on Nickelodeon. And um, I the the death of Mike and Esmith hasn't um, hit me in the same way other others have. Like I've been feeling kind of numb about it, but I put on um, 
like Mike Nesmith Radio on Spotify, and I forgot how much he has a ton of albums. I forgot how much folk music mm-hmm. he has too, and he's written so much. Um, I'm curious to see if they're going to do um, any any more releases because he seems like someone who probably had a lot of back catalog ready. How about you, Aaron? He probably did. I mean, he wrote for other people. Power Beer in the Raiders, Better Feeling of Eight. Uh, of course, Linda Ronstadt, he made a star. Uh, you, know, yeah, yeah. Of, you know, so, you know, he, he... And you can't not talk about his work as a producer. I mean, uh, right. uh, Repo Man alone uh, deserves so much credit for that. And But uh, for myself personally, I was a huge monkeys fan as a kid because uh their humor just appealed to me and uh they were in syndication and uh if i wasn't watching them at the babysitters you know i was watching them at home and then um later television parts and elephant parts uh my dad was a big fan of that era of mike nesmith and had all his cds that he produced around that time and we watched elephant parts so often that my brother Cameron and I and dad and, and even mom a little bit were quoting it like most families qu- quote Monty Python. Uh, I mean, Elephant Parts, if you haven't seen it, you are missing out. And Television Parts was really just as good and terribly innovative, as you alluded to earlier, having to create a, a category for him. Yeah, the long-form yeah, video, to be exact, was yeah. the... Um, uh, the Grammy invented for elephant parts, and uh, I always love the pirate alphabet a lot. Um, but you know, yes. I, I actually felt that even more. Like I was sad when Davy Jones passed, but Nesmith just kind mm-hmm. of wailed on me. Uh, you know, I I guess you know, yeah. but yeah, it, but he was like there was just three in a row that hurt, and we're gonna save Sondheim for when we talk about West Side Story, um, but. Um, the other one that, and I know every single sexy witch here, and when Nathan's on, I'm going to let him talk about it, too, because Nathan was hugely influenced by this person as well. Um, Anne Rice passed, which yeah. for us is, is <sighs> you know, basically the gawk world was defined by one book in my life. And my, my mom read it with me. We Everyone read the book. Interview with a Vampire was one of the most important books in any preteen's life. And uh, Amen. Know, especially yeah. like developing teenage girl in San Francisco Bay Area. Um, I mean, it's it, it, and it's not just Lestat, which is everyone knows and is a flashy, fun character. But Lewis is one of the most soulful written vampires of any yeah. generation. Um, I love what she did with him I love that he would whistle in the dark that he was probably the most human character of her supernatural creatures um I loved Claudia so much oh my god I still love Claudia oh. to this day. um the tragic life of Claudia is one of the most beautiful things too yeah. I mean there's just everything about that book yeah. between Anne Rice and Clive Barker you can print and you know Stephen King was always there but those two were personal you know, um, yeah. and 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 the first three Anne Rice novels in the Lestat series were I, I don't know how many times I've read them. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, I read the Andrew first two back to back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
the Vampire Lestat's just a uh, good book. Yeah, I, I, I Vampire Lestat is. I, I was talking about this the other day. is is a lot of fun and it's rock and roll and it's a comic book, but Interview with the Vampire is just you know you can smell the dust on the mantle and it's so fucking goth and there there was nothing like it that I knew at the time. That was my first exposure. And I, literally, as soon as I was done reading it, I started reading it again because I didn't know anything else out there like it, and I needed more of it. And then, you know, later on, I went into the other stuff, um, uh, the one about the Gens de Color Libre in uh, New Orleans. Uh, was that Cry to Heaven? Hey, I don't remember. Anyway, <laughs> that, that was nice and good and gothy, and I... I tore into that a couple times, you know, straight away too, and just anything else I could find by her. And, well, I, uh, I was yeah, particular so to the good. vampires, but you know, she had the Witching Hour series, which was witches, and then yeah. you know the the Sleeping Beauty series, which I know yeah, I heard a this. particular <laughs> period interest for Mr. Nathan Hamilton. And I actually read it for the, read the trilogy the first time in my life last year. So, oh, sure. uh, so that was kind of an experience. Uh, <laughs> I, I really actually want to say, uh, you know, East of Eden, people think Rosie O'Donnell, but honestly, the book is really good. And, uh, oh my God, that, so good. And, and it, it kind of woke me up to a few things. Didn't realize I was interested in until I watched right the book. Yeah. So, and, you know, so there's, you know, and, and you know, yeah, I'm a huge even, Dana Delaney fan in, in real life, but, uh, you know, the movie is nothing like the book. I mean, it's it's like a Disneyland version of a fairy tale. Go back and read the real dark original. Yeah, and 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 but once again, Anne Rice also hit the fairy tales, and hers are extremely fractured. Uh, to say the least. Um, <laughs> do you want to talk about it a little bit, Raven? Because I know I mentioned it. You went, uh huh. So you've obviously. Oh read yeah. Them. So it's been a while since I read those, and like, I have this weird disparity first of all with who Anne Rice was when I fell in love with those books versus who Anne Rice became at the end of her life because um, she was very openly. Um, uber Christian like on Facebook and stuff she got mm. super weird and creepy um, so her dying was less of a punch than I thought it would be because I'm like eh she's 87 and she's kind of crazy but yeah. <laughs> the feeling of I, I feel like I just already mourned the loss of the Anne Rice I knew I guess but she did a Sleeping Beauty quartet um, and she had a pseudonym for them, which was A.N. Rokelor. I, I don't know how you say it because it's all French. I, 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 <laughs> I have it in the other room, but, yeah, it's a Yeah, so it's yeah like, it, it, I think it translates as cloak. Yeah. Oh, okay, that makes sense. I took German, so I'm yeah. useless there. But um, <laughs> <laughs> know that Sleeping answer. Beauty. He's probably listening to us right now yelling at you. <laughs> Screaming. Like, you idiot. Sorry, I don't know. Okay, so the claiming of Sleeping Beauty is Beauty's Punishment, Beauty's Release, and Beauty's yeah. Kingdom. And <clears throat> these came out individually 1983, 84, 85, and then the fourth one didn't come out until 2015. Um, so a lot of people think of it as a trio, but um, just because that 
fourth one came out so late. But what it does is it's erotic BDSM novels that are set in um, like medieval fantasy. And they're actually pretty educational in a way, but it, it's the education is hid very well within the universe that these stories are being told. And they're and way over the, the top. They're very mm-hmm. over the top. There's like um, different scenarios of um, imageries of bisexuality, what that means, what homosexuality means. Um, there's pony play. <laughs> Mm-hmm. There's everything. There's comedy. There's sexy things you might want to reread seven or eight times before you move on. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, lots but of spanking. Lots <laughs> and lots of spanking. There's a, I, mean, um, that, I would think there's at least one paddling every fucking page. And she says that. Actually, yeah. In her opening. Like, it's. Yeah, they're 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 yeah. very amusing. Um, so I, I funny how you say yeah, that educational because they were a little bit. Right. And Nathan learned a lot about what he likes reading those books. Right. So you know it, they they are like subtly educational, but they're also very right. Funny. Right. Yay. Yeah, and in a lighthearted way. It's not the story of O or anything. Like It doesn't yeah. take itself too seriously. It really doesn't. I, I think that's actually what makes it work, is that Anne Rice has a yeah. very light tone to the the whole thing. If I was going to shoot it as a movie, I would shoot it in that like 70s misty cave, like uh, very soft focus, rompy look. That's what I've always yeah. envisioned. You know, it, it's not meant mm-hmm. to be like a serious drama of any kind or any darkness. It, 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 you know, especially because like the second book, uh, uh, Beauty's Punishment, could go into some very dark places easily. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh yeah. The, you know, it, and Rice always said that her she always like like when she wants to explore darkness, she goes to the vampires. She always said that. Right. Like the other books were not yeah, dark. Yeah. Only the vampires were. But I want to address your like thing about the Christianity thing. Yeah. Because I understand what you're saying. But I also put her in a place like one of my favorite authors is Madeline Langell, who wrote yeah. the Wrinkle in Time series. The Wind sure. in the Door is a fantastic book. Fantastic. It's a perfect blend of science fiction, myth, and history. It is so cool. And she ended up being uber, uber Christian too. Like she was even when yeah. she wrote the wow. book, she was, she was like yes. really super Christian, but she gave us these wonderful, wonderful pagany rooted in, but rooted in science books that will always be special to me. Uh, right. So I, I feel the same way about Anne Rice and even to expense, take it uh, but, you know, did you hear that the Quidditch people are trying to get their, the name Quidditch taken yeah. off their leagues? Yeah. Here in America. Of, yeah. Yep. I was like, whoa. Um, right so, but on. In, but, in, but in Harry Potter universe, uh, the Quidditch that they play in America has different rules and has a different name. So it doesn't matter. It would still be canon. So anyway. Uh, but, uh, you know, but, yeah, I, they, I suggested if they want to keep uh, Jay Karen Rowling involved with it, they could just 
start pronouncing pitch with a B. Well, you know, the, the, there's this thing, you know, Will Wheaton gave a really speech, and I'm not going to go into details here, but about, uh, you know, how to separate the art and the artist. There is ways to do it sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, um, and, he, and he was very pointing you know, you've got to remember, he's gone through a lot of shit, too. Uh, you know, they no just doubt. fired someone off of Sex in the City recently because of, you know, it, yeah. it, 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 there's all sorts of things about, you know, and I've deal with even my own life, you know, how do you deal with someone that you love that suddenly doesn't look the way they're supposed to anymore? Does mm-hmm. all the stuff before it that mattered? Does it all get canceled out? And I don't like to use the can- or cancel because that's a trigger word now. But like, does huh. does the others does it lose value? Does does Jake L. Rollins' work lose value? Does Anne Rice's work lose value? Does I don't think it's one size fits all. It, 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 it's, me, not. it's not. It's not. It's not. You know, you have to make the decision. And no, I'm not yeah. gonna, unless it's like unless you're really into like wanting to burn Jews in a in a fire or something that's uh-huh. really gross and terrible. I really don't care what art you ingest. You know, it's it, art is subjective. Yeah. So yeah, and Anne Rice created some great art. She really did. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. Dude, I'm not discounting her talent at all. Like, this is a goth that almost moved to New Orleans solely so that I might be invited (laughs) to her Halloween parties. Like, that was the only reason I was going to move across the country. So, like, Uh, it would be goth points to her. I'm also an elder goth. Like, (laughs) (laughs) nothing against her. It's just she's not writing anything uh, except for weird shit on Facebook now. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I just took my mom and wife to uh, Universal Studios very specifically for the uh, Christmas and Hogwarts thing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as as long as I don't put another dime in Jay Karen's pocket, I'll go on enjoying stuff. But I just, yeah, I can't really support her. I'm going to still ride the ride at Universal. Sure. (laughs) Have you been on that? And the, and the castle? The, the, the ride? The Phoenix, or the... It's a truly greatest ride on the planet. <laughs> like, at least when it comes to the the seat. But like, it's a really innovative thing that they use for the uh, ride. I've, I'm fascinated by that arm with those seats that moves around. It's so cool. Anyway, um, but I'll still <laughs> ride the ride. It's universal. But it's, you know, I I don't think that the universal ride and what Aunt, what she has or anywhere near each other. That's a different story. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Poor Aunt, but because there was one other person who also passed in the last week, and it was right before West Side Story dropped, and that was Mr. Stephen Sondheim himself. And I'm going to – I we all three of us are, are theater geeks but in from yeah. school days and onwards, and, and Miss, you know, <laughs> Aaron's been a singing mm. frigging waiter and a pirate – and and and, you know, and and Raven still works in theater production when there isn't COVID. So um, I sang I Barcelona in scene class with a really good friend. Yeah, you know, Sondheim, Stephen Sondheim, yeah. and, yeah. and West Side Story. So they revived West Side Story. They actually shot it two years ago, but because of COVID, it still hadn't been released yet. Um, and uh, you know, so he didn't actually get to see it come out. Uh, but I'm sure he got to see it before it was released. 
Now, am I the only one of the three of us that actually saw the movie, or did we all go see it? Uh, I haven't seen it, but I listened to the soundtrack. Oh, good. How about you, Aaron? I have not Please seen say. it. I have not what? seen it. What? I have not seen the Natalie new one. Did Natalie on a hot date to go do that? <laughs> uh, dragging her out of the house during the holidays when there's so much stuff to do is a nightmare. Um, I okay. Well, I can tell you that I still it, haven't seen Dune on the big screen. I haven't seen <laughs> Dune at all. I did catch the first hour of The Matrix right before air, the new Matrix movie. Ooh. I put that shit in immediately. And actually, so far, I'm kind of liking it. So it's really weird. I'm not going to say anything more, but it is. It's a weird movie so far. Um, uh, I will say, though, <laughs> speaking of Broadway and theater geeks, Jonathan Groff is playing John Smith in this version. Nice. He's one. Yeah. I so that's love cool. Jonathan Groff. He's and he's like really good in it. Like, he's the best thing in the movie so far. Awesome. Uh, right on. So, yeah. So I'll, I'll let you know next time we talk if it makes my this movie makes our top ten or not. I don't know if it will, but you know it's, it's still amusing. Sweet. And Keanu Reeves is still Keanu Reeves. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, you know. But uh, West Side Story. So I took the Evil Genius. We went together. We had so much fun. Okay. First of all, I was teaching the Evil Genius. I showed I showed them Cool from the Robert Wise version because it's one of my favorite nice. shots sequences in any yeah. musical ever like I actually am not a huge fan of the West Side Story from 61 I think there's oh. some really great moments in it of Leonard Bernstein's score is one of the, my favorite scores of all time this is my favorite musical so I, I actually am very critical oh, wow. of the Robert Wise version but there's a couple perfect moments in it one is the cool sequence in, 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 in 1961 it's just the, the way the camera moves the way everyone's positioned the lighting uh, and that's something Spielberg, Spielberg surely shouts out in in the new movie is the lighting, and that that actually nice. made me happy because um, the lighting is very specific in West Side Story. Uh, so I don't think it's I I have no issues with with Spielberg jumping in and remaking West Side Story in in this time and era. A lot of people are was very controversial. How do you make a perfect movie? I don't think the sixty one movie is huh. sacred um, in, at all. Uh, Stephen Sondheim though is he's big, right? Uh, and <laughs> mm. I always like make a joke about the 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 West Side Story soundtrack. It's, Stephen Sondheim likes to put words in syllables into like in, in every note. So there's one word in a note, right? Something. So when you hit West Side Story and you have like like the fast jazz score that Burnside's writing, it's always like. Everyone sounds always out of breath when they sing West Side Story. <laughs> they seem really tired, especially Tony. That's just Sondheim in general, though. Yeah, though, when yeah. he does it in all his movies, oh, I mean, all his plays. I mean, Sweeney Todd, too. And, and you know, yeah, and I was just thing. listening to Sweeney Todd today. <laughs> we, okay, so, so Sweeney Todd and West Side Story may be one and two when it comes to my favorite musicals of you know, I excised them from when we did a, a music, movie musical countdown on this show. I actually excised both of those out of my uh, it was cute. I remember so I think, that. I think West Side Story might have been in there still, but I. I but we still haven't done a musical show since I've been here, so that must oh, really? have been a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I've been waiting for one. You promised me one. 
Give me one. We'll do one. We've never talked about a musical on this show. Ever. Wow. I don't think Book of Mormon's even on that list, and it would be on this the list now. So, but my number one favorite musical of all time is The Music Man, which, by the way, Hugh Jackman just started in previews this week. Uh, So that's all exciting. Um, Fucking COVID better not ruin that. I'm really upset about the COVID thing that's happening around me right now. It's like all right? 60,000 people got sick all at once. And it was like, oh, my God. Now we're up to like 100,000 people all at once. I mean, it's ridiculous. Um, In two days. Ugh. So I'm boosted. I don't know if that'll help, but we'll see. Uh, so, um, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to. I'm not traveling for Christmas. I'm, I'm, I don't leave town until after Christmas, so I'm, I'm doing it in reverse. That's good. Um, I digress again. Uh, but Stephen Sondheim, uh, but it's not just West Side Story, which, by the way, go see it, guys. Really, seriously, go mm, see this okay. movie. It was so good. So good. And it I was also like, I taught Lily how, to, or the evil genius, how to do the snap from Cool. Uh, and I'm like, okay, okay, we're walking to the theater. You got to do this. So I did the snap to walk in. And we're walking yeah. in together the snap. This older lady comes out, looks at us, and then she starts snapping to the bathroom. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. So everyone. Right on. But the, I, I don't know why it flopped. The theater was relatively packed. on a sev- It was 7 o'clock on a oh. Friday. We went to uh, the, the main show, and most of the theater was pretty full. You know, it's the fullest I've seen since COVID. Uh, so I don't know why they think why it flopped because a lot of people in my thread went to see it. Um, well, and what I was reading too is that they're planning on um, speeding up the streaming release. Basically, what he has to do, the old Spielberg Oscar move, is you yeah. release in December, but you wait until you get your for consideration eligibility. And as soon as you have that, you can release for streaming. So he should have, it should unflop before new year's because it's going to be on Disney plus. I, I, yeah. I, I, this movie is so good. Um, hold on. We have a caller. Let me bring them on. Ooh, right on. It might be one of our own, but we'll see. Um, six, okay. seven, eight, you're on with the sexy witches. You know Hello? who this is? It's the Dirty South Sorcerer. Hey, Yay! you're on early. How you doing? We're, we're talking, we just started talking about um, Stephen Sondheim, but um, I will. I just got off of work, and before before I go any further, I need to say because the conversation happened before I got on here that Anne Rice definitely had a huge effect on all goths of a certain vintage, but her effect on my yeah. life most definitely pales in comparison. To a in Rokulor's effect on my life. So here's to her Yeah, so please pronounce that. I told you he would know Thank how to you. say that. So say it again. A in Rokulor. Rokulor, yeah. Rokulor, thank you. I, it's a, it, it's it spelled like a fancy me. cheese. What do I know? So, yeah, no, I, I, that's what I was about to say. I was going to give you the floor for a second to follow up on our Anne Rice, because I know Anne Rice had a huge, profound effect on you. Uh, so, a, you, know, a, a, you know, all of us had some kind of effect on us. And, you know, I was talking about Steven Sondheim and Spielberg. You know, he, he's a sadist, um, Mr. Spielberg is. You know that, right, guys? But he totally admits <laughs> to this. You know, one of the things he was all doing. All directors are to an extent. Well, he, mm. he, he thought it was so funny because he called 
the principal cast every single one of them um, on the phone and told them they got the job. But when he called mm. them, he made he had their age had his his desk person make them wait. And then he came on, and he sounded all kind of serious and stuff, and then he dropped the bomb that they actually got the job, and just to hear them cry. Oh, my goodness. He missed to it on this behind-the-scenes thing on the TV, and he laughed, too. Wow. That's not sadism. That's just a flair for the dramatic. <laughs> well, he definitely has a – he's an Aquarius like you, so – or no, I'm sorry. He's a Sagittarius. That explains a lot. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he, but he's definitely a sadist. He's like, he did it to all of them. The only one that said that they didn't cry was the girl that played Maria. She said, fuck. <laughs> so that's awesome. <laughs> the 19-year-old says, fuck. So, you know, can you imagine – okay – uh, this is what's amazing about West Side Story. You are the you are headlining your senior school play, which is Fiona in Shrek, and it's your first big performance. Mm-hmm. And it's the end of your senior, and somebody tells Spielberg about this cute young wavy girl doing Fiona, and they pluck her out of graduation and put her in the movie. What the fuck? Crazy. Yeah, no, I can't imagine. That's like what I dissociated dreaming about instead of paying attention in school. That was my really? entire high school career. Yeah, absolutely. Every it's, it's, every high school play, every performance, every night we were told, you never know who's going. They, they fed us this shit. You never know who's going to sure. be in the audience. Some casting director might be there. They use this to make us behave backstage. <laughs> but... But I always thought, you know, you never know. Maybe Steven Spielberg has, like, an aunt, and they have to go out because she has a family member in the play. Um, But, yeah, I dreamt about that a lot, and that's, like, every, I think, every theater kid's dream. It's Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And, uh, but... I'm, I've been pushing Nathan, who doesn't like to go to movie musicals, to take his mom on Christmas because I know his mom wants to go. And and I, I would say there's a lot worse time he can spend. I, uh, first of all, th- their version of America is fantastic. <laughs> here's, here's the thing about that. My, my mother is not a geek by any stretch of the imagination. No. And has said to me, I don't know if I want to see the new one because I don't think I'll like it because I love the old one so much. A lot mm. of people say that. I still, once again, I, I first of all, I think that the new one, it, it's its own version with total strikes from the Broadway play and the musical. Like, it's kind of a perfect fusion of all of those things. Um, Rita Moreno gets to sing somewhere. Uh, spoiler alert. Right. So that's what I was wondering from the soundtrack. Darn, I was hoping I could guess. So, yeah, what I can tell, because in the stage version, Consuela sings somewhere. And Mm -hmm. it seemed like, from what I could tell just from the um, soundtrack, that they had combined the characters of Doc and Consuela and put Rita Moreno in that part. Is that what Uh happened? Kind of, yeah, that's basically, but actually what they've done is she's now his, uh, he's dead, and she's inherited the store. So that's, I got you, so, okay. Yeah, so, uh, and and it actually puts this, like, immigrant spin on that character that Doc didn't have before. So right, that's kind of yeah. cool. 
Um, there is some original dialogue written specifically for this version yeah. to modernize it a little bit. It doesn't really take away from the original script. Uh, choreography is fantastic, and um, there's often strikes to the Jerome Robbins stuff, but there's they really do their own thing. Like, Cool is completely different in this. They didn't even try to recreate the 61 Cool, which is good because they wouldn't be able to. Uh, so they made it its own thing. Um, Tino is much more fleshed out as a character, and I like that. Made him likable, which is actually needed for the story, because sometimes he's just kind right, of Right, yeah, that's true. You never, uh, you don't know anything about Tino in, <laughs> in the they, stage they, version they or get, the movie. No, they give him some character moments, and uh, he he really is Tony's equal in the story, and, right. and in many ways. Uh, and and yeah. if the world was different, she would have ended up with Tino. Um, Ansel Ergo, I had no idea about the controversy with him right now, yes. um, and I didn't know until after. But I honestly, I adore him um, on camera. Um, and I don't know what's going to happen with that, but uh, he so, uh, Disney is sticking by him, and he's actually really good as Tony, like really good. Now I had so, no idea how tall he is. Oh my god! Anyway, well, me neither. <laughs> <laughs> I've only heard him, but I will say, first off, Tony is a shit character. It, he, there's nothing you can do with it to make him a great character. So whoever plays it, I don't care if you're, you know, Steve Buscemi or <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Tony just kind of sucks. Um, his <laughs> his character's boring. He has boring lines. He's kind of a doof, and his songs are kind of that's his songs yeah, are the ones that go to the bathroom. Song. You know, like yeah. somewhere uh, something's coming. It's like, okay, time to get popcorn. Right. Um, yeah. But on the soundtrack, um, it's hard to tell, like you can with some other actors, whether or not he can act. His singing is pretty flat, not not tone-wise. He's hitting all the notes correctly, but there's zero to no characterization. This could be an actor's solo album and I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Um, and that could possibly be on purpose to make it more naturalized on screen. But as a soundtrack, um, he's one of the weakest parts of it. I, I well, mm. he, 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 he compared to like the girl that's playing Maria who has this huge vocal range or, mm-hmm. or she sounds Anita. great. She sounds amazing. Yeah. She's amazing, and, and what's her name plays Anita is, is, is she's really this like that, that Anita's just a great part, anyways. And, and yeah, Anita's the character that's the best. Every, everyone wants to be Anita. I wanted to be Anita. I was never going to be able to be Anita, but you know, um, but uh, she she's I just you want to give her a hug through the whole thing. Um, anybody's is actually played by a non-binary character. That's fantastic. Um, oh, that's wow. I always wanted to play. She's the only one that gets to be an officer Krupke. And, uh, right? <laughs> you know, she so does. I wanted, I, I wanted to be officer Krupke. My, here's a tri- bit of trivia. My dad played baby Don in a community version right. of <laughs> a side story. So I thought that was kind of oh. funny. Um, yeah, my my mom was a pianist, and she played um, the piano for a couple of productions. It was a story at some colleges, um, 
And so uh, that was fun because I got to hang out at rehearsals and I could hear, you know, see everything. And it was when you're five or six, college productions are like the most fancy thing you think you'll ever see in your life. (laughs) But yeah, it was was awesome. I was introduced to a lot of musicals that way. Uh, The sense of New York is the best sense of vintage New York I've seen since King Kong, Peter Jackson's version. Um, it, it actually gives you a real sense of place and time. Uh, and that is really important to the story, actually. And, and, and they just hint at it in the Robert Wise version of what's happening to the gentrification of that neighborhood and what they're about to do to it. Um, here, it's front and center. And I kind of like that about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the story of the neighborhood. It really becomes a story of the neighborhood uh, and not just uh, uh, the two people fighting over a girl, per se, or two gangs fighting a girl. The only thing that was not really believable was I didn't buy that um, Benny was a fighter um, at all. Um, <laughs> he's supposed to be a boxer, and he lands two huge punches on Ansel Elgort, and he does not go down. No, he would have gone down. Even if he wasn't out, he would have gone down if that was a real boxer. So I don't, like, maybe dance fighting is different roles. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, exactly. you know, but, uh So there was some things like that I thought were odd. Um, but I, I really do highly recommend this version. I actually really enjoyed it. It was great to share it with my daughter. Uh, she really enjoyed nice. it. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I watched right afterwards, I came home and I put in, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom by with Jonathan Lark's oh, right story. On. Cause Steve Sodheim is also heavily, heavily prevalent in that story too. And, uh, I don't know. Have any of you watched it yet on Netflix? Just I've seen the show, of... but I haven't watched the Netflix version. Uh, well, it's got Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, as the star. Yeah, of, that's why I haven't watched and it yet. I really don't like actually, it. <laughs> oh, well, actually, me on Andrew story. Garfield. I know his vocal range. He's a fine singer. I just don't like his stupid yeah. face. Okay. <laughs> oh. so it reminded me of Jonathan. All, he, he, he actually totally was Jonathan Larson. I didn't buy, like, have any issues with him in the role at all. Not even a minute. Um so um, it's a weird musical, though. It's very, very weird. I don't think so. <laughs> um, well, no, it's just so self-aware. Like, there's always, like, a... Yeah, mm-hmm. like, title of show. There's thousands yeah. of musicals like that. I think what's yeah. very interesting about Tick, Tick, Boom is that Jonathan Larson is talking about himself and um, the finite truth about death and then died like really shortly after uh, from a hole in his heart. And um, the romanticism of his talent was definitely overstated in the late nineties. But then it kind of goes in waves and people start to appreciate him again. But he is obsessed with Stephen Sondheim, not only verbally in Tick, Tick, Boom, but in the underlying score. Um, he uses the same minor keys that Sondheim uses. He uses a lot of the rhyming patterns. Um, he, will say, borrows heavily <laughs> from a lot of previous <laughs> Sondheim works. 
Um, however, you don't need to be a musical theater geek to like Tick, Tick, Boom, because it's not about the music, even though it's a musical. It's so much more about how you put your true self into what you create. And that doesn't have to be artistically. So there's um, an overarching universal relativity to it. Um, It is a very sweet piece and it's very honest and it's much more humble than Rent, where Rent is kind of um, gay and sassy about itself. (laughs) It is kind of humble and inward-looking. (laughs) <laughs> I would say you're right about that when it comes to Tick, Tick, Boom is obviously extremely personal. Um, right. Maybe, that, you know, I. it's funny because I never got to see it on Broadway. I got to see Rent, but I never got to see uh, mm. Tick, Tick, Boom when I lived in New York area. Yeah. And I, that was one of the few I regretted. Not, that and Boy from Oz are the two I regret most not seeing that played. Yeah, I miss Boy from Oz too. Oh, I would have loved seeing that. Anyway, uh, but uh, the the Stephen Sondheim thing is so important. I like how at one point he gets a compliment from Stephen Sondheim, and he goes, "That let me, that kept me going for two years." <laughs> right, but, but <laughs> relatable it, though. It is that and, dopamine and so, that you get from praise of like um, someone who's your mentor or your um, idol. Like it's amazing what that can do, and. Um, what a fire it can put under your butt. <laughs> well, and, and I'm going to bring it to a much funnier moment in Sondheim's life, but um, Robert Lopez had a very different relationship with Stephen Sondheim. Uh, and um, Stephen Sondheim went to see Avenue Q and basically said the opposite of everything he said about John Larson. And it basically boiled it down. He called it derivative. Um, which is like the kiss of death from Sondheim, you know, hear that phrase. And so, but it ended up turning out in the end, they actually like got together and worked and collaborated and started to respect each other. And of course we get Book of Mormon, which is just fantastic with the, you know, the South Park boys and the South Park boys allowed only one person to ever write an episode. Um, other than them, and that was Robert Lopez, and he wrote the one about, I don't know if you remember, it, it, it has Sondheim in it, because they have to do a bro-off, like, because it's all about, like, um, should I just go ahead and give the plot? The Lady in White. The Lady in White, <laughs> yes, it's about, and, and there is some truth about getting laid or getting a blowjob after music Broadway musicals because yes, mm. girls will put out after a Broadway musical. We absolutely Oh yeah. Um your mom not included, Nathan. Don't take that as, as yes, a deterrent for taking your mom to a personal <laughs> movie. <laughs> just tell her to call me after. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Now we're getting well, really damn. Yeah, really mom. Your Full circle to <laughs> How about you me. take her to see it on Christmas? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, yeah. but, but that 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 relationship with Sondheim probably spawned my favorite thirty minutes of South Park ever, and that whole episode is. So if you're a theater geek, it is one of the funniest episodes you'll ever see. It's but amazing. He, 
the bro off between uh, from between Marsh and, and um, Sondheim. I do respect you, bro. You don't respect me, bro. I do respect you, bro. And then they end up like working together and making a hit musical, which is like awesome, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, so he was influential in a lot of ways he probably didn't expect. <laughs> so um, yeah. Well, they got a letter. Uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone got a letter from him after Book of Mormon too, and he specifically right. asked in his letter uh, if they wanted to collaborate with him. Yep. Yeah, they they uh, like I said, Sondheim's words were gold. If you got uh, yeah, even, it didn't matter what kind of criticism it was, it was inspiring. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. If I got a if I got a letter from Sondheim that said my show was derivative, I would fucking frame that. That's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah. You took the time to write me. Are you kidding? Uh, Johnny Rotten turned down the Hall of Fame uh, award from. from oh Texas. yeah, yeah. So they framed that and put it on their wall. Right. <laughs> the rejection. Yeah. Oh, I I believe you should call right back, sir. I saw you. Um. But anyway, I saw a phone. I thought uh-huh. it was our guest, but he disappeared. So hopefully, I'll call back. Um, that was, uh, you know, we gotta have sound problems on this show, or it's not a show. So, uh, <laughs> so um, rest in peace, all these wonderful people, especially JT. Yeah. I mean, I'm just ripped about that. But he'd be here talking about this if he was around, and he probably yeah. Is. He's probably chewing off someone's ear about something. Italian horror, hopefully, because we had lots of questions about that. Um, and uh, so, speaking of which, we're going to go into our second hour now and um, talk about the year that was 2022. That was some of the sad things, with the exception of West Side Story. I think West Side Story is going to have legs. It's going to take a while to follow yeah. this audience, but... It, it's going to so be too. around for a while, and it's way better than La La Land. Like, oh, my God. Oh, okay. and let me – can I say one more thing about the yeah. soundtrack before we move on from West Side yeah, Story? Um, this is the first time I've heard a musical soundtrack where I didn't have any anger. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I heard Family of the Opera before it came out. I heard, you know, I the soundtracks are always released usually on a Wednesday, and then the movie comes out on a Friday. So usually on a musical, you can hear something first. And I didn't hear any auto-tune. I didn't hear any messy production. Like, it sounds fucking on point. Um, Their version of America is so high energetic and such great producing. I mean, it's just... Yeah, no, it sounds great. It's not fucked with. So, like, nice, pure voices from real singers. That's awesome. So... And uh, that was a wonderful conversation for our first hour. And um, I believe our guest is on for the second hour. And so would you like to, since this was your get, Miss Raven, thank you. The Enchantress brings a guest on the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce them? And we'll give you a good solid 15 minutes before we go into our 2022 conversation. And, of course, they're going to join us because we always – that's what we do with our guests. It's not just about their stuff. We want to know what they like. Ooh, are you ready? Yeah. All right. I'm go ahead. so ready. Calvin, are go. you ready? I am. I am. Can yes. you hear me? I yes, can totally you're on hear with you. Sexy Calvin. Witches. Welcome. Uh, on with me, Sexy Witches, is Mr. Calvin McCarthy. 
uh, amazing filmmaker from Portland, Oregon. Uh, we met doing theater at Clinton Street Theater where they show Rocky Horror for the longest in the country. And um, we've remained Facebook friends. And Calvin, I kind of stalk your stuff sometimes. Um, hmm. I was noticing today, if you just look at Calvin's IMDb, um, you are in 17 different departments you have listed. And the only director I could find that has that many departments is Orson Welles, who also has 17. But that's because he died, and one of them is archival footage. So really, you still have more. How much shit do you do, Calvin? Uh, you know, people make those IMDb pages, so maybe it should be a little more consolidated. Like, you know, uh, maybe I should not have director of photography and camera operator. Maybe those are nah, it's cool. in, in smaller <laughs> productions. It's, it's hard to, to uh, differentiate the two when there's just one person doing it. So Yeah, um, yeah that's true. <laughs> But awesome. Um, no, I do. Uh, I do quite a bit. Uh, like you said, I I um, started as an actor, and we did theater together. And we also did children's theater together. Oh my gosh, we did. Yeah. we did. We did Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, we did. We did. I was Cinderella, and Calvin was Prince Charming, and I already forgot. <laughs> so the, the, the real reason that I uh, have that many credits is because I own my own uh, small production company and I do work for uh, small distribution companies. I make films for them that they help fund. And the only way I could afford to do that is if I do uh, like 17 different jobs. That's really yeah. the only reason okay. that could happen. Yeah. Well, it's pretty impressive though, too, because, I know you have some newer stuff coming out. The most recent thing I saw of yours was um, an Amityville poltergeist, um, which I think is on Tubi now, right? It is. Um, yeah, that was that was something that I did basically for free for free to yeah. kind of get in the door with a, uh, a a distribution company that I really wanted to work with. They you know, it was really big to add Amityville into a title because it's not right. copywritten and it's a it's a proven uh, series. So I basically did something for like very like almost no money and said, "Here you go, yeah. it's the Amityville Poltergeist." But that has hmm. sort of spawned more funding from this company. So. It's not right. particularly a movie that I love that I made. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, it served its purpose. Right, yeah. No, I actually, um, I was watching it with my roommate and I rented it a couple months ago when we thought we were going to be on the show earlier. And um, I was impressed with some of the things that you were able to pull off. Um, one of them, I still can't even figure it out. I think you had a drone or a really good fucking dolly or something, like a crane or something for this exterior house shot you did? Yeah. you know which one I'm talking about? Was that a drone? I, 
I do. Yeah, it is. I actually I Neat. work for uh, Portland Drone as a camera operator, as a drone oh, camera sweet. operator. Um, and we have to do training, which is unpaid training. And I've, I've kind of worked out a deal with them where some of my unpaid training that I have to do should just be shots for movies that I make. Wow, so, what a deal. <laughs> yeah, so all of these, um, my, my last two films um, that are done and they're, they're being turned over to the uh, distributor um, right now, actually, but they yeah. have more impressive uh, drone camera work in it. Right. Just, I, I try to work my, my training days around the film shoots. That's smart. That's using the noodle. That's why you make the big bucks, Galvin. Uh, so, um, also, I'd like to dig also about drones and low-budget film, knowing that I've yeah. now been in a couple films that have used drones extensively. They make you look way more expensive than you actually are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it looked fancy as fuck. I was impressed. Um, and I also appreciated, I noticed, like, in your acting credits, you will often do little parts. Um, is that also out of necessity, or is that something that, are you Alfred Hitchcocking? What's going on? Uh, um, no, I just like, I just like doing it. I've always, I, I started <laughs> as an actor, and it's too much fun to not get in there, you know. I get yeah. kind of, like, jealous. I feel jealous. Everyone's having yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, that's true. Um, it is something to get jelly about. But you're a really good actor, though. That's actually – so when Calvin and I met, we were doing this one-act festival, and I was directing a piece, and Calvin was in a piece, and he has the audacity. I don't believe you were actually at auditions. I think the person just cast you because I would have used you if you were there. Um, and uh, – I, I basically poached him for this other theater company, but you know it's just a whole bunch, a whole bunch of different kinds of experience levels, and people who are, who are doing their first play, and people who are like, "Do I stand here?" And then there's Calvin, and he's just like he came off the fucking set of True Romance. He was just kicking ass. Um, so like. <laughs> In Amityville Poltergeist, you're like the pizza guy for three seconds, and you stand out because your acting is so good. <laughs> like, I think oh, I'm well, pretty sure that's Kelvin. Uh, sure. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, are you thinking about doing anything more um, acting-centric? Since a lot of your films, it looks like you're directing more um, – from the other side of the like camera. Yeah. I miss I miss the stage all the time. Um and with COVID yeah. it's just it's been hard and it's been hard to like right. come back into it. Um yeah. I really miss it. I usually will do will try to do at least like a little one act play in between film things just just cuz yeah. I miss it so much. Um, right. But you know, I'm not. I'm not sure. I've done some acting recently, but you know, my my passion is horror movies and always has been. Yeah. Um, and I just want. I just want to keep making horror movies, and I've finally found 
a company that will give me a little bit of money to do that. That's um, awesome. It, at least until I screw it up, but they give me so little that I think they don't have to think about me very much. Yes, there's like, perfect place to be. Yeah, even if it's bad, it it probably doesn't matter because they just know that they're not going to lose anything on it. Right. Um, so it's it's nice. I I kind of like staying here and 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 making these little movies. I guess until I get bored of it or something. Yeah. Well, we're all huge horror geeks here, so and we haven't gotten yeah. sick of it yet. <laughs> Yeah, no, we are. Um, now, we don't normally, uh, Calvin, w- talk about movies this episode, but you happen to be on our episode called These Are a Few of Our Favorite Things, which will be the immediate segment after we finish up with your direct interview here. But since you are the guest, I was going to ask you what your hmm. favorite horror film from 2022 is this year. We know 2022, that hasn't happened yet. Or, okay, not the future, uh, the present, 2021. <laughs> See, I don't, I'm already oh, out of this year. I am so not here anymore, just so you know. I, 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 I time traveled and now I'm back. Okay. So, nice. Yeah. There's some good stuff in 2022, but let's talk about 2021. Anyway, go ahead. I'll repeat my question. What horror film from 2021 was your favorite this year? Um, You know, it's funny. I don't, I don't watch a ton of newer horror movies. Um, So I'm, I'm afraid that my favorite is only my favorite because of, because of the fact that I've only seen a few of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really like Candyman for a couple of reasons. I liked that it was like a sequel to the original, ignoring it didn't ignore the first film. Um, it just right. ig- ignored its sequels. I thought that that was fun. Um, when news came out that they were going to do it, but not cast Tony Todd, I was a part of this like horror uh, group that um, they were like petitioning to do it. And I know hmm. that that had no effect on it, but the fact that Tony Todd does make a cameo in the movie um, I like to believe that I had something to do with it. Um, <laughs> oh, Calvin. <laughs> and uh, the, you know, I thought they went in a fun direction with that movie that only the first one touched on. I liked um, the uh, the what what am I thinking of the the ur- like how urban legends can can change and mean different things to different people. Yeah. I like the idea of different candy mans being candy the, like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's, there's, it's everything. It's everything that has to do with candy man. Like anyone that does anything wrong and gets called candy man, it seems like can be part of whatever this is. You know, I, I thought that was fun. I thought that it was kind of confusing at times, but yeah, um, I I just liked that movie. I thought it was good. I I, I, I got, thought it was one of the best of the year too. So uh, I got so uh, mad. So I just rented it two, like two days ago, oh. and I got so mad only because they credit Tony Todd immediately, and I yeah. didn't know he was only a cameo. 
And so I'm mm. waiting and waiting and waiting, and I get two words. If you're going to do that, don't credit him until the end, please. <laughs> that was <Right>. so sad. <laughs> Though Raven, to be fair, how many movies, modern movies, do they use the concept of thought form so well that it, a mainstream audience can understand it? Uh, so, percentage sorry. number? I, yeah. I don't think uh, that's uh, a real question. I think you're trying to trick me. I'm just saying that like that was actually one of my favorite things about about the new Candyman is the you know what he was talking about about the different ideas. Yeah. It's it's an idea of you know a, a collective thought form can create something. Uh, no, something it's pretty being- brilliant, and I totally agree with this idea that there's not only this fear that the Candyman can kill me. But there is a fear that I might become the candy man. Like, it's a whole added, added layer of damned if you do, damned if you don't, and it's people mm. trying to find that middle ground. Um, yeah, they did some interesting and, stuff with it. What's that phobia, Calvin, with the, with the circles that people have where you look at it like a flower that has a bunch of holes and you freak out? You know what I'm talking about? Because they use oh, yeah. that a lot in the candy man. Yeah, right. I can't remember. That movie had yeah, fantastic kills in it, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, okay. there's some yeah. good effects. Um, there was a good blend of practical and um, CGI stuff. Uh, but nothing was too jarring, you know. Maybe in the theater, um, the effects might not have been as, as smooth, but I doubt it. Like, it looked fine. Yeah. Overall, I thought it was really good. Um. Okay. So... so Oh, go ahead, Liz. You have a question. No, no, you've got the floor, Raven. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I was going to tell Calvin that um, this year, so we do a movie, a horror movie watching contest every year. And um, what year were we, Liz? 13? 14. 14. We just did our 14th year. One yep. of our side um, side challenges was the MST3K challenge that I ran. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, every MST3K fan knows there's the most notorious episode, which is Manos, Hands of Fate. Manos. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And um, you might know a thing or two about that. Can you tell my panel why? Yeah. Yeah. I I know the little girl, the last surviving member of the cast in that movie, Debbie, is uh, Jackie Ray Naaman Jones, and she, just through some digging, I found out years ago that she lives in uh, Falls City, Oregon, which is only like an hour away. And I I made a little, a little kind of documentary video about her just to take her to a convention and, and have the little documentary play at a festival and kind of opened her eyes to the fact that this movie she was in was notorious for being, you know, not only one of the worst movies ever made, but it was on mystery science theater 3000. And now Mm -hmm. she's, she does conventions. But the funny thing about that is um, the, the movie that I'm turning in right now uh, to breaking great breaking glass pictures is called, uh, a haunting in Ravenwood, but Jackie is actually in it. So, yeah. So, yes. uh, Debbie from from Manos, the Hands of Fate, is uh, shows up 
for for a cameo in the movie. Right That's on. So but, sweet. But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was one of those things in your life that kind of comes full circle, where yeah. Manos was one of the early episodes that I saw that wasn't on the Sci Fi Channel because you could buy right. a DVD for it, and yeah. then. You know, I remember watching it with my dad at like, you know, 10 years old. And then here I am in my 20s and I'm calling her up on the phone and, you know, or, or having her come to set and directing her in a movie and thinking like, wow, this is so weird. surreal and awesome. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so cool. Um, Calvin, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, can you plug yeah. like any and all of the shit you want? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, geez. what's coming out? Uh, well, my my uh, small production company is Seventh Street Productions. Um, the the title is lame, yes, but I came up with it when I was a little kid, and in film school I refused to change it. So I've just married <laughs> myself to Seventh Street Productions. Perfect. Um, we have a YouTube channel where I do movie reviews. I haven't done them in a while, but um, you can also watch short films, um, some past films of ours, and uh, as, as Raven mentioned, uh, Amityville Poltergeist and Jesus I Was Evil are both on Tubi of mine that you can watch, two older cheapo films, and then uh, keep an eye out for uh, A Haunting in Ravenwood and uh, Mutant Vampires from the Planet Neptune, an 80s style uh, uh, monster movie. Uh, that was made this last summer. Uh, I was, uh, I, the cover for that Jesus, looks amazing. That, that movie's awesome. Yes. Oh, sweet, What's Nathan. That? I did Say that not again, know Nathan. You that. That's cool. I, I did not know you were the one that made <laughs> Jesus I Was Evil. That movie, that kicks ass. That is a great movie. <laughs> oh. Well, why am I not oh, surprised, you. Nathan? You're the one that's actually seen it in the group that, like, Jesus is <laughs> evil, yeah! <laughs> Awesome. And uh, do you do you, do you awesome. do any social media? You got a Twitter, one of them things? Plug your stuff, man. I don't have a Twitter. Hmm. Um, I do have a Facebook. You can find me, Calvin Modia McCarthy, or you can find 7th Street Productions. We also have a, an Instagram page that you can visit, YouTube. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always I'm always open to people, like, writing me if there's anyone who – you know, likes to collaborate or make movies or has an idea for something. I'm always open to, awesome. uh, to talking and collaborating on stuff. That's sweet. You never know. We got some really fun fanatics. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much. I know you're welcome to stay on the line if you want to continue hanging out and talking about our favorite things for the past year or, um, since we're so high tech, you can hang up on yourself um, and go along your merry way, whatever you prefer. Yeah. Um, I, I actually am sending something over to Breaking Glass, so I'm going to get back okay. to that. But thank All right. you guys so awesome. much for having me on, and I would love to come back on when I have more time. I would love that too. Well, ever, uh, that'd be great. Bored. Anytime. Yeah, yeah maybe anytime. for your next uh, premiere. Uh, yeah, I'll keep and in touch. Always come Absolutely. on if you have a movie coming out. We will always yeah. promo a movie. I mean, we yeah. we, we promote mm-hmm. everybody's movies. We've had quite a few good indie directors on our show, actually. Mm-hmm. And and now well, I, I 
I do movies now too, which is cool. So, well, I oh, did nice. two movies. Two movies. Yeah, we'll get you, we'll get you back. I don't we'll know more and longer. <laughs> I know. Too bad I'm not crowdfunding. Now I have a yeah. a, a place to go. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> next crowd- time. Next Absolutely. Time. <laughs> so if I ever um, find myself in that situation, I'm going to call in in for backup. There you go. Well, definitely. Thank you, Calvin, for coming on. And um, I know you said you you didn't like, you don't watch a lot of new stuff, but um, in early February will be our premiere of the new season. And we always do a top 10 countdown of our favorite movies of 2021 overall, all movies, not just horror. Okay. So if you wanted to come on and do a countdown, I could teach you how to do that. It's actually one of my favorite episodes we do every year. It's fun. Yeah. 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 I would love to do that. Excellent. Oh, we'll get back to you, and I'll definitely need to Facebook friend you. I don't know why I'm not Facebook friends with you. I'm going yeah, to Yeah, I'll get that started, too. <laughs> all right. Yeah, please so, do. All right. Well, you go ahead and hang up on yourself, Calvin, now, and thank you for being on the show. We're going to take a quick music break, come back, and then we're going to start my favorite. These are a few of my favorite things, 2021, leading off with Nathan Hamilton, the son of Celluloid, and the, now the dirty southern sorcerer with music of 2021. So we'll be right back. Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, bright copper kettles and warm woolen mittens, brown paper packages tied up with strings. These are a few of my favorite
All right, so we're back, and I actually was going to be back sooner, but um, apparently I was muted. Uh, but um, <laughs> that's apparently that's Kenny just because you don't said, cut off Kenny Rogers. No, well, you don't. And and Kenny Rogers, you said earlier, thought, that doesn't understand why my favorite things is a uh, Christmas song. But, you know, it's Christmas. And so we got to actually excise this best of 2021 episode from November for a lot of reasons. Because the last eight weeks have been kind of rough for me. Uh, but we moved it up. And so we decided to combine our Christmas episode oh. with these are a few of our favorite things, 2021. And I'm going to hand the mic off to our dirty Southern sorcerer at this time, who, even though I will say this was a very good year for horror, and I can't wait to talk about that, but we're going to hold that into February. Um, music had a pretty good year. And Nathan, why don't you go ahead and talk about it, because you've been wanting to talk about it. And when you want me to play a song, let me know. Okay, yeah. When uh, when I was told we were doing a everything but movies, I immediately knew I wanted to talk about music, because that's when you don't hear a lot of uh, – podcasts of this nature talk about they always want to talk about tv and books and movies and whatever but god there was a lot of good music this year like in all genres um now i of course being a metalhead there was a fantastic like the especially death metal band called werewolves put out an album called what what a time to be alive um hooded menace frozen soul uh both put out great albums there's a band called cognizance they put out an album called Upheaval that I'm pretty sure their lead guitarist has extra hands because I don't understand how some of the stuff they do on that album is possible. Um, but if, if you even go beyond that, like go into like horror punk, you had a band called Mantis Watch that put out an album called Channel 101. And uh, there's, a, there's a legendary punk band called the Lillingtons. They remind me a lot of. Uh, the Bloodsucking Zombies from Outer Space put out a new one. The Other put out a new one. The European horror punk's killing it. Um, over on, like, a countryside, Wanda Jackson, the queen of rockabilly and someone who probably has a legitimate claim to being one of the biggest badasses that ever lived, put out an album called Encore this year. Following having a stroke, she put out another album at 80 years wow. Wow. And it is badass. Um, like uh, Joan Jett, L. King, like a lot of great artists guest on it. Um, there's a particular song called Two Shots that's amazing. Everyone needs to check that one out. Um, God, without hip-hop, yeah, Dead and the Dude put out one called Soulful Distance. It's really good. Uh, Vinnie Paz put out an album called Burn Everything That Bears Your Name. That's fucking amazing. Um what else do I want to mention? Vision Video. We were talking about goth, uh, goth culture earlier. Best goth out rock album of the year was Vision Video, Inked in Red. Uh, the 69 Cats put out a good one. It, that's a mixture of the Coffin Cats, the Necromantics, and the 69 Eyes. Kind of have oh, a nice. super group. It's really interesting. Sweet. Yeah, they got an album called Seven Year Itch, which is really good. Um, Neo Soul had a really good year. Um, Duran Jones, The Indications, put out an album called Private Space that if you if you played that for me and I didn't know who it was and you told me it came out in 1977, I'd believe you. Like, it's that good. Wow. And there's also a new band called Silk Sonic, which is Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars got together under the tutelage of Bootsy Collins. 
and wrote yeah and wrote a soul funk album that is nice it's called an evening with silk sonic that one i highly recommend yeah i mean that what have you guys i mean like there's just so much Oh, was that the Silk Sonic I heard? Yeah. Let, let, let's hear it a few seconds. Oh, you got plans. Uh-huh. Don't say that. I'm sipping wine in a robe. I look too good to be alone. My house clean. My pool warm. Just Wow, well, that's almost so smooth they're not singing. Right? Right? Yeah, smooth is the first word that comes to mind. Yeah, so that's nice. There's some on the album that swings more, a little more hip-hop. There's some that goes a little more soul. There's some that you can tell Bootsy had a hand in. It's just funky. So anyone who said... People love to talk about music and be like, yeah, they don't make it like they used to. If you can't find some good shit that came out this year, you ain't looking hard enough. Um, I discovered, even though he's been around a while, but he had a kind of a big year. Uh, Sturgill Simpson. I discovered him this year. Um, So that was my real real. How did you not discover him when you saw... um, the the, the, the the you know the zombie movie the human mush <laughs> the dead don't die I haven't they seen talk the about dead don't die Sim- yet what they talk yeah, about Sturgill Simpson like every five seconds <laughs> I haven't actually seen that yet and uh, but he was That's in the why. hunt he was actually an actor in the hunt which was, I thought oh. was funny. so he's yeah. not in it for very long he died a very terrible death actually there's a lot of good kills in that movie. Uh, so, uh, uh, but Simpson. But um, I actually did listen to a lot of new music this year. I was trying to think if I had. I, think, I mean, I, I didn't go to any concerts still. I, I know that Raven has been forced to go to a concert this summer. <laughs> That's true. So other than yeah, that, <laughs> what, what, what music do you what what music have you been listening to, Raven? Um, besides what I'm forced to, or <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, okay. So I, you know, I've kind of been fucking around with Spotify and trying to like find some different stuff because I did like the end of year statistics and I felt like they were really boring. <laughs> I listen to a lot of really old stuff and I listen to it a lot. And when I'm learning something for the piano, I will make a playlist. And so a lot of the music is stuff I'm repeating already on purpose. One of the things I was doing to like combat that was using some of Spotify's like daily global lists, um, like top 50 and stuff like that, but then kind of using that as a starting point. Um, so I've looked at some international music, but I came to realize 
I have no idea when anything came out <laughs> because when it starts recommending me stuff, sometimes it'll play older catalogs. Um, I'm not exactly 100% sure if I can name something I know that came out this year. You know? I, I, I can't either. Say? How about you, yeah. Aaron? It's all a blur. Um, yeah, my, my favorite album of the year so far is uh, Queens of the Summer Hotel by Amy Mann. And uh, oh, nice. if, if you're an Amy Mann fan, I promise you, you know it's like flipping into a warm bath. Her stuff is so good. I was um, and so then all... sad because oh, the Magnolia soundtrack on Spotify, mm-hmm. the only song that is unavailable is the frog song that like, it's not going to stop that one. <laughs> I was like, I really yeah. want to hear that right now. And it's the one they Aww. don't have. And I was really sad. Well, they've got to have it on something else. Yeah, it must um, be somewhere else. But yeah, broke my heart. Um, in music, uh, in I, in new in Spotify, um, just real quick. There, I'm still listening to a lot of old music, but um, they might be giants. And Tenacious D both dropped their full catalogs on Spotify this year. Right. Very cool. So that was made me happy, especially the They Might Be Giants catalog, which is very large, just so you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. absolutely it is. I, I have a, a bunch of singles, too, but it, it's all tween music. I get, I get razzed by my friends so badly for my taste, but I, I love pop, and, you know, tweeny kind of pop is, is my fave. Uh, there was a song, uh, Build a Bitch, Really early this year by Bella Porch. Yeah, I know. I I own it. That's me. It's a fucking great song. Um, Bella Porch uh, is kind of a Twitter star, and this is her first single. And she put all the people, the right people, behind it production-wise. And the video fucking rocks. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch Build a Bitch because it's awesome. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what she does later. Uh, Halsey had a, a really good album this year. I liked Easier Than Living Off That. Uh, a, again, total total tween angst song, Brutal, by Olivia Rodrigo is good. Um, Fire For You by Cannons is a little more alt-rock, so I have a little bit of credibility there. Same with Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish, but otherwise I'm a tween girl. I own it. Yes, you are, tween girl. <laughs> there was actually... So, so be it. You are, though. <laughs> um, Thank you for bringing this up. I forgot. the major genre gap in what I listen to, so you took the other half of it. Thank you. Yeah. Surely. Well, that's the of it. <laughs> um, I forgot that Tyler, the creator, had a new album this year, too. Uh, call me if you get lost. I've been listening to a lot of mixtapes, and I've made a couple mixtapes this year. So oh, fun! I love mixtapes. Yeah. Can you send me one, like a physical one? Uh, Where you write on it and put stickers. Oh, yeah. I, I and could be like, actually, see you next summer. Believe it or not, I just bought a CD burner. <laughs> it came in the mail yesterday, <laughs> so I actually could. Yeah. Do it. Mixtape so club. Oh yeah. I, I just gave Nathan a folder of Christmas music because he always gives me three discs of, of music every year. So I just got his compilations. He 
Nathan, every year you've released a, a compilation album for what, like how many years now? Okay, back back when I was here's the story. Back when I was in college, one year I was broke as shit, couldn't buy Christmas presents for anybody. So I made a mix of the most fucked up Christmas music I could find, and burned a bunch of CDs and gave it out to all my friends for Christmas presents. And the next year they were like, "Are you going to do another one?" Like I hadn't thought about it, but I can. And this year was the 16th year I've made one of these. Nice. And after 16 years, I am digging deep. (laughs) (laughs) I could not tell you how much Christmas music I have listened to just compiling these CDs. Like the deepest, darkest corners. Stuff you would (laughs) never dream about. (laughs) I I just have one folder. He has like 16. So (laughs) it's a lot of music. Um, is there anything else music on? I mean, obviously, I actually think movie musicals were having a good year because there was several of them came out, uh, even yeah, if they well, weren't a lot all my, hits. But, a lot of my music stuff is tied into some TV and movies this year. Like, it's been yeah. a very musical kind of year for a lot of media. Documentaries. Yeah. Uh, hello, Get Back. Oh. Um, get yeah, back, Summer seriously. of Soul, which made the short list today for Oscar nominations, yep. Uh, yep, and it's Summer probably going to win. It's definitely going to win the Golden Globe. We already know that. Uh, yeah. So, um, so, so I have, there's all of have any of you seen Get Back point, yet? Right? I'm sorry. What I I said we've all seen Summer of Soul at this point, right? I I think so. Yes. Yeah. If you have it on Amazon Prime, it's yeah. yeah uh, Raven is the man in room, but I mean seriously, that movie is hot as fuck. It's so good. Yeah. Um, uh, but then I get still back. I that of all the concert footage. I haven't watched all of the get back because it's really a lot of footage, Raven. But it's dense. It is. It's dense. Oh my god, though, yeah. is it gorgeous? Like, so like it's, yeah. it's like you're in the For room. Any- with them. It's amazing. It looks like it was filmed last week. And one thing that's really mm-hmm. fantastic is because you have Peter Jackson and Peter Jackson's money. You have this technology. <laughs> now, I'm going to get the hours wrong, but it's something to the effect of 180 hours of audio and like 60 hours of video that were originally worked from. And Peter Jackson has cut this into three episodes that are about two hours long. Um, a lot of it is rehearsal process. A lot of it is um, kind of the minutia of how songs get made. Uh, but what's impressive to me is that some of this footage I've seen before and some of this audio I've heard before, and I've never heard it like this. They have isolated conversations <laughs> in rooms full of people where they are not the ones under the boom mic but they are the ones you are hearing. They are the subject of the documentary at the moment. And the AI that is used in the technology for the video um, is what allows it to make it look so crisp and so colorful, but it does it without making it look fake. The AI that they use is very intuitive, um, and the way that it's edited, when there are what you can tell would probably be a break in the film or... um, some sort kind of deterioration where it couldn't continue. It's edited in a way that still fits. Um, so unless you're like super, super hardcore, I don't think it's necessarily something you want to sit down and binge in one sitting. 
because it's <laughs> kind of nice to digest after and um, kind of f- feel like you're seeing the story for the first time, or maybe you are if you don't know. Um, it's uh, It does feel like it's a fly-on-the-wall documentary. Um, you yeah. know, you're just there it's- to observe. There's nothing being taught. <laughs> it's just, it is, and it's beautiful. It, it's very intimate. Like I said, you feel like you're in the room with them. Uh, it, it, the, the, this could have happened next door. Uh, I, I, Peter Jackson, like, I was kind of upset with him for a little while, but I think he totally redeemed him. I don't have to have that long conversation with him now about The Hobbit. So I'm very happy (laughs) with him. He's still my favorite, one of my favorite directors. I mean, he's directed my favorite horror film. And and I saw The Frighteners at Exhumed this year and, and that's a fun movie to see with an audience full of half drunk half stoned uh pennsylvanians <laughs> um so right. that was cool um <laughs> and sleep deprived on top of that it was the last film of the day um so it was the morning wow uh, yeah so that was that was an experience that was one of my favorite things this year i did um i went and let's let's jump to if we can now excursions um, things or events or virtual, we can count those too. So, um, because we're still COVID, but I did actually go out into the world and do a few things this year. And two highlights this year was the Grind Exploitation Film Festival, where I got to see mutual friend Richard Tanner win uh, the Grand Award at the festival for his movie Mother Noose, which he's been on the show talking about for a while. And I actually got to be there, and it was my first film festival since COVID. I was half vaccinated at that time, so that was like a big deal. Um, And then I saw, after being fully vaccinated, I was and having COVID, which is, as we know, I had COVID this year, which was not part of Mm -hmm. the best thing of 2021. (laughs) I got to go to the Exum Film Festival, 24-hour film festival, the first time. Um, and we we're talking about James Harris earlier passing. Uh, they actually played uh, Doc Terror's House of Horrors there, um, which was his favorite movie. Uh, I and exhumed. He loved it so much. He had a tattoo of it on his arm. So I actually like texted Nathan. I think it was six in the morning, right? When I texted you, when oh they God. started playing, yeah, I woke him up and said they're playing Doc Terror. Um, it actually made me cry. Uh, it was kind of like I was getting a blessing from above from my, my, my good friend, James Harris. And it was a great time. I saw some films I had never seen before. I saw some really good um, transfers of films I had seen. Uh, they, they played some classics. Um, they played uh, Night of the Demon, which was really cool. And uh, The Eyes Without a Face. Um, they played a movie, which I really highly recommend. I did not know it was shot in San Francisco. Actually, it's shot in Tiburon, across the water. Um, it's called Death, Death Game, and it was the inspiration for Eli Roth's Knock Knock, a movie I detest, but this movie was great. <laughs> I highly, I, that was like my favorite wow. new watch of, of Exhumed. Uh, was was that uh, festival because all the films are, are retro films. That's why I'm talking about it on this episode because it doesn't have anything to do with the um, movies. But the the festival itself is just it was so much fun. And it was at the Colonial Theater, my favorite theater in the United States. It's where um, the Blob was shot in 1957. So uh, you know, and so vintage theater, vintage films. 
um, you know, it was it was a really good time. Uh, they and I, I actually they played they opened with The Exorcist, which was like so weird. Um, but it was kind of interesting to see that it's a large crowd on a on a screen before, and I didn't realize how br- brutal all the medical scenes are in that movie. Uh, I forgot that actually freaked me out more than the Exorcist part of it this time, which I found a new mm. appreciation. They also played an Italian horror film called Patrick Still Lives, which is a bad knockoff of the Australian film Patrick, uh, which is not a bad movie. Oh, yeah. um, you know, um, this movie, and actually, I, I don't know the, the original Patrick's okay. I had actually seen this one before. Forgot. I knew there was a lot of naked women in it. I forgot how naked they are. This is one of the smuttiest, naughtiest, and it, is, it checks every Italian horror movie box. It does, hmm. but it is so over the top on the nakedness, and, and, and it's like Patrick is kind of squeezed into this whole story about people having sex with each other and going, no, 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 a lot. Um, <laughs> 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 it's really what it is. Uh, so I, I had a great time. I highly recommend watching that movie. That was the Midnight Movie, which was great. It was a perfect Midnight Movie. They played two kaiju movies. One in the morning and one in the uh, one in the evening when we first started. One in the morning, a, a really weird Jeff Chinese one I had never seen. It was really bizarre. Uh, something King, go go for King, something like that. It was really really weird. Anyway, uh, so uh, that was cool. So anybody else have anything that they did this other than we talked about your convention this year, uh, Aaron? Uh, but was yeah. There any, uh, well, anything else that you did this year? Yeah, there were a, a couple things. Uh, I really liked uh, the uh, horror convention. The um, oh gosh, darn it! The the, the knockoff of uh, the Screams convention in Pasadena, and uh, I really liked uh, the Comic Con Museum, which finally opened. Uh, they're running oh, multiple nice. exhibits at the same time. They had uh, a Gene Roddenberry exhibit with a lot of stuff from Paramount. Um, I, I mean, physical artifacts, and it was just very nicely set up. Uh, they had a Charles Adams and Friends uh, little trip around the top of the top floor of the museum. I got to make a cardboard uh, Captain America shield in a crafts class, and that was mm-hmm. pretty bitchin'. Um, and they had a, a, a really nice, thoughtful exhibit on graphic fiction comic books mostly um, and how they had dealt with the pandemic, and that was cool. And then there was another thing downstairs on Pac-Man, and just they've got a really nice space. It used to be, uh, I believe, a sports museum, and it's right there in, in the museum, Central Park. Uh, it's right next to the uh, Ruben H. Fleet Space Theater and Science Center, if you know San Diego and that their little – it's not called Exposition Park, but it's like that uh, area. And, yeah, if you get the chance, you I highly recommend. Um, Comic-Con was pretty brilliant, and they had a bus running between the two. We actually went and saw it before Comic-Con opened on Friday because it was a later start. And then the other thing that I, I really liked that made my list this year was the panel for uh, a movie called Lumpia with a Vengeance. 
and I'll talk more about the movie when we do our movie uh, show in Feb. But uh, the panel was just great. It was the first time uh, a panel of uh, Filipino creators had done a full-on panel on their own work at Comic-Con. And there was a lot of pride going on with that. And uh, the movie, like I say, we'll get into it, but it, it's, it's got a hell of a lot of heart. It's, a, it's a, you know, made by friends and uh, it's real low budget and it's kind of a hell of a lot of fun. And that was a great experience. Awesome. And I, I know that, um, Nathan, you did a ton of, like, walkers and stuff, and we talked about that in Nausea, and we're going to talk about uh, wrestling at the end of this episode. Uh, but was there anything else that stood out to you? Um, on... I also got to see uh, quite, a few, excuse me, quite a few classic dark rides this year. Oh, I, I wonder awesome. who helped with that. No idea. <laughs> No, I, I got to see uh, Dante's Dungeon and the Haunted House of Trimpers and the one Hope the There was a, a bunch of really cool dark rides I got to see this year. And like you now, said, walking through Haunted Houses was amazing. I went to 17 of them. So that was well, great. Technically, you went to 18 because you also did the Bill Tracy one up here in Maryland as well, besides the Haunted House. That's right. That's right. Yeah, There's, I, also, I, went to, I went to one at the Territorium in Alabama, which is an awesome place you all need to visit. <laughs> and I saw, and I saw one that's currently being restored, and I am not at liberty to say where it's located yet. Uh, that's so cool. And um, I, I, let's see, and I went on three of those dark rides with him. And I want to say that I still think, hey. even though the Bill Tracy in Ocean City is absolutely a gem, like it is, it is a thing of beauty. I really have a fond affection for the one in Rehoboth Beach because of the uh, seats that hangs. The track hangs from above, so it has a suspended seats, and it goes through the ride that way, and it's really cute. So um, you know, and they're only an hour away from each other, so that's what's cool about it. Um, but there's always more dark rides to do. Um, what, so Raven, what have you done? Anything awesome and fun? besides anything else. I'm going to laugh, cry. I was just racking my brain to think of anything I did. Um, I moved to Nevada, and the only time I've left my house is to go to the doctor. Like, I haven't not done anything. Some people might My life has been virtual. But, yeah, there, no. but you have done virtual events, though. I, I said that counts, too. So if you have a, well, Oh, no, I have haven't a, done virtual events. I've just been living virtually. Oh, living virtually. <laughs> okay, so virtually living. I've been living virtually. I got um, that, man. So um, <laughs> speaking of virtual living, um, so, you know, I've, another film festival I went to was Nightmares, which I got to see the FP3 actually on the big screen, which was pretty yeah. cool. Um, but... Really, what I'm really proud of is that my girl, Jill Gilvargesian, see, I can say it when she's not here. Um, yeah. She um, <laughs> not only was, was the stylist long-listed on the Academy Awards, they have also ranked it as number 15 best horror film of the year. Wow. And for Rotten, Rotten Tomatoes, 
just ranked it yesterday at number 10 out of 50. Um, so um, at the front door. That's so yeah, cool. Yeah. So my, one of my favorite things this year is watching Jill blossom as a filmmaker and have yeah, so much luck cool. with and having so much success with the stylist. It's just making me, yeah. I feel like a proud mother in a way. We so, need her back you know, on next season too. As, as a famous chick that's going to make another big film. I mean, you know, the one thing yeah. that uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, going back to that, always says it's always about making the next one. That's like the moral of Tick, Tick, Boom. You've got to make the next one. No matter what happens with that one, yep. you make the next one. So yep. I know what her next one is. Um, so yeah. we talked briefly about music. We talked about events. Let's All right. Let's sum up with a television talk. Are we ready? Because mm-hmm. right. I will say sure. it has been a very solid year for television. Um, yeah. I, I've watched a lot and lately I've, I've binged a bunch of stuff and caught up with a bunch of things um, and one of them and you're going to be shocked one of my two of my favorite series this year were Marvel properties yeah I didn't, I didn't expect that WandaVision WandaVision is great um, and I can't wait to see my more of the witches um <laughs> Because I know there's what's her name is going to have uh, uh, her own show, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and Agatha. Agatha. Agatha, Agatha gonna have a spinoff. Show. Woohoo! It was yeah. after um, Loki, which I really <laughs> enjoyed. And but yeah. Loki I also, was hella good. I just finished Hawkeye, and Hawkeye yeah. was really good. I won't get into my it number I two. Know some people aren't watching <laughs> it yet, but yeah, I I, I was very Just pleased. Cool. I've been a bunch of. Uh, Marvel and actually enjoyed them. Right on. Uh, that makes me happy. <laughs> no, well, but what we do in the shadows still is better than all of that. Just so you know. My number oh, three. Oh my god! Right now, <laughs> oh my god! Uh, well, yeah. Oh my god! That finale. Everything about <laughs> season three was glorious, and and uh, I'm so excited for season four. Um, yeah, and me too. It's great. Um, I'm finally caught yeah. up. Can you believe it? Hi, it's amazing, right? We actually are all caught up with our television. Who knew? Um, uh, Discovery of Wishes Season 2 was fantastic on Shudder. I highly recommend that if you weren't watching. Uh, Mark Strong mm. is just the bomb as a vampire. Highly recommend it. Teresa Palmer's in it. Um, it is so good. Um, I went to the panel at Comic-Con at a blind look to seeing that mm. Alex Kingston was on the panel, and I love her. And uh, the show is great. Uh, and season three is coming out next month. So definitely look for that. Um, so that was great. Let's see. What else uh, was good this year? Chucky. Uh, Chucky. Oh, my God. We got to talk Chucky. about Chucky. Chucky was my favorite television <laughs> show of the year. Uh, Nathan, why don't you lead off wow. with Chucky? Like, like how no, good Chucky, the show was. Chucky is my number one of the year as well. Right on. What I really liked about it was throughout the Child's Play series, there have been wild swings in tone. You know, like, you know, like when mm-hmm. it was horror at first, then it went comedy, then it kind of went avant-garde, then it went like it's all kind of meta-comedy type thing. It's been all over the place. The show felt like a perfect mix of all the tones. Like you got scary, like one through three, Chucky. You got funny, like bride through seed Chucky 
like the, the entire thing just felt like the perfect child's play movie. It just happened to be 13 episodes long. And, and Fiona and Apple. The storytelling and Fiona is Apple. Great. I mean, Fiona Dorf. <laughs> Fiona Apple. Oh, Go ahead. she is amazing in that. Oh, because, my God. Uh, to yes. to Go not ahead, spoil anything, I will say she plays multiple roles in it, and all of them are fantastic. And sometimes mm. in the same scene, which is mm. really awesome. Oh, fun. Uh, yeah. Um, so, and also yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer Tilly. Uh, I mean, I mean what's, what's, what's not to like that? Yeah. Yeah, I what mean, are you doing? Right. It, it, it was yeah. everything you Everybody wanted it to, to be. Um, the the storyline was great. It was it, – it, it, there's the t- – it's not quite first, but definitely like a light, airy – feel to it but the the kills are are good i mean it, it's a great it, it, it is a perfect balance it's the only way it can i will I, say oh, loved it. my Here favorite comedy moment of any movie or show of the year is in that show yeah, and we don't want to say it here because it would be a cold spoiler it's such a good line nope. you don't want someone else that's to why i was saying yeah, so uh, it is really good. So, yes, yeah, so if you haven't watched Chucky, guys, please, please, please watch Chucky. My, what? My number two mm-hmm. show of the year is The Bad Batch. I haven't seen yes. that. Yes. Any alternate yeah, with that uh, oh, I know yeah. of it, but I haven't watched it yet. It, Aaron, I'm sure, has seen it. it yeah, it picks up where you know the Clone Wars left off, and I wouldn't quite put it on the level of the Clone Wars, but this is this is the kind of Star Wars storytelling that I that keeps me coming back to the animated ones more than the last six movies. But like, it is it's really good. It's got a lot yeah. of um, a lot of like military thriller type elements to it. Yeah, but set in a sci-fi setting. It, it kind of does a, a really cool genre mix there. Uh, speaking of so, genre yeah, mixes, everyone check that one out. Uh, genre yeah. mixes, uh, which has been a, was a theme this year, a lot of really good things, movies and television. Um, I I uh, would highly recommend if you haven't watched it the the, oh. the show Ragnarok on Netflix. It had its second season yeah. this year which is basically like if YA meets the Odin, like meets the North Pantheon. Um, and it, But that's not even as good as it's described. It is just a blast of a show, and it's really good. Um, and it, it, it's steeped in folklore and location. Uh, it's just amazing. So I had a blast watching that this year. Um, what else we got? Um, I have one specifically you will like if you haven't watched yet. Which one? You have you have Hulu, right? Yeah, of course. Um, the Great. The Great. No, oh, yeah, Mary it's Catherine. About, yeah, yeah, that Great. Oh, um, I yes, haven't seen it yet. With starring Elle Fanning. Um, and if you want to feel old, look at Elle Fanning for two seconds and go, wait a minute, she's the younger sister, hmm. and then like feel yourself rith- like wither away into dust. But um, so. <laughs> It's the same creative team as the favorites. So there's a lot of that. Um, there's a lot of same locations. You'll see recycled costumes. You'll see, um, and I mean this in the most best way by recycled. Like it, it's just 
you will catch it and you'll go, oh my God, that's really clever. Um, uh, a comedy, there's mostly kind of like British sort of accents that are representing this Russian um, aristocracy. Uh, they use the word fuck, even though it's anachronistic. They use pink clothes. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of anachronism happening and it's on purpose. And they all have their own little points. Like, fuck still has a point when you hear it. It doesn't have to be historically accurate for it to have the same emotional contact or um, impact. So they do a lot of stuff like that, and it's beautiful. It's fucking hilarious. Um, and it's just amazing to look at. Amazing eye candy music and acting. Sounds Check it out. Even if you're a boy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I detested awesome. Bridgerton this year, so I would hope the great yeah. would 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 wash that out of my eyeballs. So oh, no, <laughs> yeah, you should be. Good. Yeah. I feel like it's what um, Marie Antoinette should have been. Like it's what um, oh, as far as yeah, what um, oh my gosh, I can't remember her name right now. That the director, <laughs> me like movies, Sofia Coppola. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is what the image she was kind of envisioning, but it came off a lot more pop art in in her vision, and uh, this is a whole different ball of wax. So are we looking forward to 2022 then uh, when it comes no. to television? No, not really? No. Oh, just in general, no. But, um, no. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Fuck it. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to it because next year is gonna. I'm hoping after my last year and a half of hell is better, hmm. and everything yeah. says it should be. So, but that's another story. Um, so, thank you hmm. everyone for being on the show. Uh, it is 11 o'clock, so I'm going to set the West Coasters free, so they can go do their thing for a few minutes, and I'm going to talk to this dirty Southern sorcerer and. Ask him to bring out the voice of violence so we can do a final oh, recap. God. You really want me to let him loose? And one final <laughs> time one, one this last, year. One last note about, one last note about TV. There are two that still have yet to drop this year that I am. And that is The Book of Boba Fett and Season 4 yeah. of Cobra Kai. And Season 5 is already wrapped. Yep, so there there is still good shit to drop this year. Yeah, it's not over yet. And and so thank you. I'm going to get Raven one final out. Where can they find you? Anything else you want to add before you go? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I kind of took a social media break, but I'm just back on Facebook hmm. under Raven Jasper Hawk. Um, I am not doing crap. I, I really have just been... Huh focused on <laughs> my own mental health journey and then binging as much stuff as I can. So I'm going to give a shout out to Squid Game as I go. Reservation yeah. Dogs and Midnight Mass. Love nice. y'all. Excellent. Excellent. That's a great sum up. And you, Mr. Cogan, uh, where, um, where can they find your, plug your stuff and, and, my non to social media on Facebook, I am Winslow Leach, whom you may remember from Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, there's a couple ones. I'm the one with the, uh, the Federation. Yeah, it's my secret identity, so Facebook won't cancel me for a lifetime again. 
Uh, <laughs> Can I say that out loud? Uh, yeah, so the Federation badge with the snowflake in it for Yule, that's me on Facebook. On Twitter, I am Aaron Sama1313, uh, also known as Captain Antifa. Nah, just Antifa. And um, my shout-out on the way out is what a great year for animation, what a great year for Marvel. Uh, in addition to the stuff we already mentioned, Star Trek Lower Decks, you got to catch that. Marvel's Hit Monkey, surprisingly good. Okay. And um, even though I am not a fan of sitcoms, Ghosts on HBO Max, forget the American one, and Hacks yes. on HBO Seconded. Max. Second uh, Yeah. Second oh, and Invincible on uh, anyone about animation. Oh my Invincible God! Yeah. On Amazon, we got to make sure. See, this is why I don't Jack have a life. This is why I don't have a life. I can name. Lives we could all name so fifty more. Yeah. yeah. Which one? Well, we yes, might have We might have to because uh, you know it's funny. We isolated three hours and I already feel like we didn't have enough time to talk about it. <laughs> yep. But that also, once again, good television this year. Yeah, Lower Decks, a lot of people like that one a lot. And, uh, you know, there's also Mordock on uh, Amazon as well, I believe. Um, So, you know, know, the comic book movie was actually, well, comic book TV show was really peaking this year. That was actually what, and I actually like my comic book fed to me better that way. So, uh, so anyway, thank you all. I'm going to send you free. Thank you. You go have a good evening, okay. everyone. Natalie, my love. And uh, we will. will we will be back. Our next episode is a little while from now. But we, if we have one, it will be the 8th of February. 9th awesome. of February. Excellent. 9th of February. So I'll I will listen you. to your um, wrestling shenanigans off air. All right. 2022. Enjoy. Season. Have a good one, everyone. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. So we're going to take a small break, and then we'll be right back. Yeah, 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 yeah.
back. Uh, that was the rock rotation bad bite. Is that correct, Nathan? No, the band is called 68. It's just apostrophe 68. Uh, they're an Atlanta band, and the song is called Bad Bite. Yes. Okay. It's from their album, okay. Give One, Take One. Also another great album that came out this year. Fantastic. I wanted to make sure I got at least one new song in there for the show. Um, so um, the Sorcerer has left with the other Sexy Witches, and now we are replaced with um, the Voice of Violence. and The um, one and only Voice of Violence, except no substitute. And it's been a monumental year for the Voice of Violence. It absolutely has. <laughs> Way to call you know call on me mid shot. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I, I can't see. I, and I don't have any whiskey on me. I just have soda. So I I didn't refill no, my uh, Brutus. Brutus is empty right now. It's so. Only fitting that the Voice of Violence would be drinking because I've never called a match sober. But yeah, but nah. earlier this year. Because I've, I've been in the wrestling business about I'm very close to in April it'll be ten years, and I've always you know done sh- you know certain shows like Monstrosity in Atlanta and uh, Milestone in Charlotte, mainly IWA Deep South. But this year I did a tribute show for my buddy Cole Forty Five, who sadly passed earlier this year, and a bunch of different companies got together to put that show on and I got to call that show and I ended up working with every active deathmatch company in the South. <laughs> so yeah, it was a hell of a year. Um, and not only was the tribute show my, uh, my first deathmatch battle um, uh, show, I was my first live pro wrestling show I'd ever seen. Uh, which was That's a hell of a first live wrestling show. It was. It was a and it was a good. And the final death match was a good solid death match. And now I've seen enough of them to compare and contrast. That I know how good that was. It also introduced me to uh, Raven Havoc, who I adore. Uh, absolutely, he's such a sweetie. Um, and I saw his show up in uh, in North Carolina. Where was what was the name of the show? What was the name of the show? Unholy Warfare Three. Unholy Warfare. That's right. Why would I forget that? Uh, But so it's been a monumental year uh, for wrestling, big and small. Not everything was great. But you, this being this being the year you went to your first wrestling show, you got really the best of both extremes because you got like the Colts show, which was you know about as good as an outlaw mud show gets, Uh and then. Than AEW, so you saw well, the not best just AEW. Indie wrestling and then I the saw big show. I, I I saw all the medium level deathmatch promotions, with the exception of DCW. Did not get that one in, but I got in uh, No Holds Bar, and that's ICW. Yep. I saw an IWA show, and I sent someone to Masters of Pain. Uh, and even though they didn't actually come on and inter- they actually went, but they didn't actually like talk about it on our show. That's another story entirely. Uh, um, <laughs> I know, right. Go to a great show and don't talk about it. Um, and, um, you know, and then I, I had, I saw AW dynamite and rampage and I have tickets for rampage in January too. Uh, so I went from zero live shows to, a bunch of them, and I saw Ring of Honor final battle. Ring of Honor was the only, most of the smaller uh, deathmatch, uh, 
smaller promotions, not just Deathmatch, but smaller promotions have done pretty well. Ring of Honor, which is a relatively high-level promotion, went under. And they, they, they're redefining themselves. This is about April 2022. I don't know what that means, but, uh, but what, that was it. it. Seems like the plan, what it seems like the plan for that's going to be is they're going to open up and basically operate like any other indie and pay people by appearance. Because the way they were doing it, they like had contracted wrestlers who just wrestled for them. And one of the reasons that they're having a restructure and all is, and I give them all the props in the world for this, the whole time during 2020 when they couldn't run shows because of COVID, they still paid all their contracted performers. That's a good thing. Now, a um, lot of companies didn't do that. So, and I have yeah, a feeling we're going to see a few of those guys. Matter of fact, we did see one of those guys, um, but I can't tell you because that would be a spoiler um, for tonight's episode. Uh, but anyway, I'm, I, we'll have to talk about that off air. Uh, but let's go back and not talk about today's episodes because Dynamite's on Wednesdays. I would say my Wednesday nights were either hockey or Dynamite this year. That's it. It's all or I both. watch. Sometimes both. Or and both. I, I love that TNT was showing hockey and they were showing hockey games after Dynamite uh, starting a few weeks ago, which was like, yay. Now, too bad they showed, like, the Flyers Penguins. Fuck that. I'm not going to watch that. That can – no. They can fuck have – no, fuck that. But, uh, you know, but still, that's, the concept is there, and that's awesome. Um, but uh, let's talk about, like, our favorite, since this is our favorite things episode, let's talk about our, let, let's, you know, and it doesn't have to be structured, but, like, our favorite single matches, our favorite tournaments, things like that. So what would we start with? I would like to start with our favorite televised matches, like, on television, broadcast matches. So AEW Like on regular TV. Yeah, not counting regular TV. Uh, not no pay per view will have its own section because it's its own thing. But we okay. already know which um, we already know which pay per view we both like the most already. But we'll talk about it too. So go ahead. Okay, there was a match early on in the year on Dynamite, and it was oh, it was the Young Bucks versus Pac and Ray Phoenix. And I had completely forgotten about that until I looked back in my uh, – because I usually download data. I especially did earlier in the year when I didn't have cable. But I would download it, so I went back and looked at what shows I kept, and I kept that one, and that was an incredible match. Um, well, Ray Phoenix is my overall favorite um, wrestler in AEW right now, and he also – and it turns out, because it was a, a fantastic, uh, Aubrey Edwards interviewed Lance Archer on, on, their, on the podcast, and they talked about it. And so that it was a last-minute thing uh, even blows my mind more. But Ray Phoenix and Lance Archer actually wrestled this year in February. Um, it was so good. Was I watched match. it four times in a row. <laughs> Made you watch it. Uh, you know, it, it's so good. And, and, you know, you would not expect the, the, I mean, the size difference is huge, right? But it was just one of the most fun matches of the year. And also, uh, Mike Fick, who I just talked to, by the way, and he says hi, um, he, he, he actually has it as one of the best unsung matches of, a, of the year. Um, and, oh, that was and a I great would, match. Yeah, I, so I would say that was one of my favorite broadcasts. I also really, really enjoyed the steel cage match with the um, Lucha Bros got the title over uh, uh, the the Young Bucks 
And, you know, it was just the perfect good cage match. But That was a pay-per-view. But, was that was that no was that pay per view? That was all out. You, oh, you're right. I forgot that Blood and Guts was not a pay per view. Blood and Guts but, was not a pay per view. No, that, no, that was highly entertaining until the, yeah. the Queen X box. I really loved Blood and Guts. Let's we'll talk about Reyes Phoenix in a minute. But like, I really loved like Sammy Guevara is also one of my favorite wrestlers, and I would say he his best work was in that. Like he he opened. Uh, he, he opens the the whole match, and he he, my God, the man the man took hits, but he was just bouncing. It was a fantastic. It was a lot of fun, and he had a fun in one, and he had a story arc all year too, which also made me happy. And now he has a title, so that was all good um, when it comes to the broadcast stuff. But you know um, what else is on regular? Know what else is on regular AEW TV that they gave this away for a world class match away for free? Was was uh, Brian Danielson and Kenny Omega? Uh, yeah, uh, that was good, and and um, so was the Hangman, and they both end in draws, uh, and they're still working the whole uh, Danielson Hangman. They're they're about to repeat themselves in January, so that'll be interesting. Uh, both of them went to their limits. How uh, it's an interesting idea to call draws with Daniel. <laughs> but Omega was I good. Will say, like, overall, I've enjoyed you, Omega this year. Oh, Omega's been he's been one of the MVPs. He's been up there. If you had told me back when I even with when the Voice of Violence began ten years ago, if you told me, you know what, one day you're going to see Chris Jericho versus Nick Gage on national television. I'd have told you you were fucking crazy. But, you know, it wasn't even the match. Even though I really, like, once again, Mike Six says one of the best things about this year was watching Nick Cage take two huge light tubes and just smash the shit out of just Jericho. Just the fact Uh that that match happened. Like, what even is wrestling in 2021? But just Nick Cage walking on the stage the episode before – to reveal that he was about to wrestle Chris Jericho in a real death match on television. Yep. But that whole, that whole episode was important. It wasn't just that. It was also, you had, you had Moxley wrestling. Uh, what's the, who was he wrestling for new Japan pro wrestling on that episode? I like, think so, that was when he wrestled Yuji Nagata. Yeah. I think it was. You needed that. I mean, we had, the the biggest American rest well I guess it is now the biggest American wrestling promotion in the country right uh, and then you had the biggest Japan, the Japanese and then you have DCW which is the biggest deathmatch promotion all on the same episode of Dynamite so fuck the door it's gone gone forever it was we ta- splintered that night when we talk about death matches on television now there's now, I'm going to extend that to streaming services okay. that aren't pay-per-view. And <laughs> New Japan, New Japan World, because you can – that's where I stream it all. Like, they started off the year rough because Japan had a really rough time getting opened back up, you know, when some of the COVID restrictions listed, lifted. But over there in New Japan this year, they've been killing it. Ever since then, I especially want to bring attention to Shingo Takagi, who is also really close to my MVP of the year list. Dude had a trilogy of amazing matches with Will Ospreay. Dude had a match at the uh, at the beginning of the G1 
with Tomohiro Ishii, where I think they forgot they're not actually supposed to try and kill each other. Um, so Shingo Takagi gets like major, major points for being on that. But a streaming service we're all familiar with and everyone has access to is YouTube. And speaking of New Japan and AEW and the Forbidden Door being broken down, for free on freaking YouTube, we saw what I am calling my favorite match of the year, bar none, Brian Danielson versus Minoru Suzuki. It was badass. It really was. Um, like, yeah. Murder Grandpa is wrestling for free on YouTube? What? That we even got, and we got multiple, even though not all of them are great, we still got multiple matches with Monero Suzuki this year on broadcast television. Um, That is just, like, that was a dream come true, to be honest with you. Uh, For me. Like, his his whole little tour of America was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um I, I would let's let's move on to live like and it can be any promotion if, whether you called it or watched it. What was your favorite live matches that you saw this year? It can also be AW. Oh my god! Oh my god! Um, well, in AW, it was uh, at the beginning of the year. It was uh, the Lucha Bros versus uh, Hangman and Kenny Omega for the tag team titles. Yeah. That was back in January of this year, way back in January. But, oh, my God. The, probably the most fun match I've called was uh, Raven Havoc and Saradox in a barefoot thumb, in a barefoot shit that hurts in the bottom of your feet match. That was one of my favorite <laughs> matches of the year. I fell in love with Saradox and Raven Havoc both during that match. And it was it was so much fun, and I – I have not uh, – it was just everything you wanted in, it, in that kind of like – like when they threw the dinosaurs out, that was just awesome. And and Raven just – every time he stepped on a piece of glass, just cussing like a like a sailor. It was so cute. And it was cute, too. It was just adorable. I mean, turns out Raven has, like, it has a pretty good, big following in the South, too. A lot of people actually know who he is. So, Absolutely. And, you know. if, you ask, if you ask Raven, he will say that is the one and only barefoot match you will ever do. Because that was that was that was for Colt. That was a tribute, and he will never do it again. Sarah, on the other hand, decided she was going to be the queen of the barefoot match, and has been doing barefoot matches consistently since then. And she's good at them too. Uh, so I love Sarah. I watched her wrestle. I've watched her wrestle a couple times this year. Um, I wanted to say I really enjoyed Homicide and Akira this year. Um, and then yeah. what was it? Was it Drew Parker and and uh, Neil Diamond Cutter? Was that right? Same same show. Neil uh, Dale Patrick. It was Dale Patrick. That's Cutter. right. It was Dale. Yeah, that was yeah. a great death match. Like everything about that death that, match and they, was awesome. And they used the weapon the Evil Genius made. Yeah, my that's actually and I'm also a little biased because yes, the Evil Genius made a frying pan with some tacks, and it was used a couple of times during the match, and that was fantastic. Uh, but the, the match of that weekend, there. honestly, the match of the weekend that weekend was uh, Neil Diamond Cutter and Herzog out in the sand pit, which I didn't get to see live. Um, I watched it afterwards on on WTV, um, which by the way I like better than fight television. Absolutely. Uh, two of my favorite matches I called this year actually involve one of the same dudes. 
uh, at uh, Southern Violence and Wrestling, I called a match between Danny Only and Brad Cash that, like, we were in the middle of Monroe, and people who – who we had a problem with people who hadn't paid for the show kind of wandering up, and so it kind of took the atmosphere of a street festival. And when they started busting out staple guns and barbed wire and shit, that crowd did not know what to think at all. <laughs> and they started throwing each other out into the crowd. People were parting like the Red Sea. It was great. <laughs> and the other, the other one was Brad and uh, Herzog. <laughs> in the far, what was it? Forest of Claws and Teeth match, I think it was called. Yeah, an unholy warfare, he, right? Yep, and Brad buried a bat covered in shark teeth into the back of Herzog, and it looked like a shark had bit him. Let's let's digress for a minute. Let's talk about our favorite death match weapons we saw used this year. I mean, the shark bat. We've talked okay. about that a couple of times. Um, and then, of course, the Evil Jesus Bible Pan. I wanted to also give a shout-out, and I always bring it up. Um, they used a, a Tennessee ham during one of the um, yes. Battle Royales during the, uh, <laughs> during the uh, Colt 45 tribute show. Uh, yep. uh, that was amazing. And it was used more than once, and it did get blood on it. <laughs> Flappy saws were fun. The slappy slaws during the uh, what was it Sato Jin? Who was the other person in that match? Sato Jin and Jeff Cannonball. Yeah, that's right. And uh, that was that was also one of my favorite live matches of the year because he's like, I'm a big boy. He's a big boy. There's only one thing to do: <laughs> death match sumo. My daughter and I still quote that to this day. We look at each other and go, death match sumo, because <laughs> it was just with the, that was the slappy slaws. Because they fell off the thing. Might as well just slap people. Slap mm-hmm. fight was, was hysterical. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, Although, at, I will ahead. say, honestly, my favorite death match that I saw this year, I didn't see in person. Well, but the best death match show was Masters of Pain, easy. Yes. No, not even a close second. But no. my favorite death match of the year didn't happen in a death match company. My favorite death match of the year happened between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. Oh yes, we got we got to bring up that one. That was fantastic. They just called it a street. They just called it a street fight, but no, they, they called it used a all kinds match. of death match shit. It was a that lights ca- out match. To- that totally counts as a death match, and it was probably my favorite one of the year. It was actually better than what. Kenny Omega tried to do during the pay-per-view with this exploding Bob wire. That just didn't work at all. Him and Moxley, good, honest effort did not work. Uh, So, and Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa brought it harder than the boys did on that. So that was fantastic. So there was actually two death matches during, uh, and they used Legos in uh, one match on AEW also. Uh, which uh, yep. during the uh, 80s arcade match. So that was actually a lot of fun, too, when they brought um, – what's her name in the – Fatlander comes out of the uh, claw the claw game. <laughs> and that's how they bring her back on the right. Um So that was pretty fun. I also watched um, a dude I, get his finger cut off in the ring. <laughs> there was a uh, blood and guts match. So they used the real – they used they actually used the real term for it. Um on GCW that I thought was very well done. And there was a bunch of ladders in that match. That was quite brutal. Yep. 
Um, Adam's Kiss Cougar was also in that match, and he his skewer thing, his green skewers are uh, 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 something to behold. I absolutely this, adore that guy. So this was absolutely Atticus Cougar's breakout year. Yeah. He he had a fantastic year, and uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the H two O is um isn't that what they're called? They 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 are almost a household name at this point on their level of independent wrestling. Some of, some of the biggest heels in the independent wrestling world. Yeah, uh, and and the, Effie was in that match too. Um, and Effie's been uh, killing it this year. I saw Effie. I saw Effie, and I see now seeing Tony Depp in live. So I was very pleased with that. Uh, I also a shout out to the uh, the show uh, on streaming, where uh, the the ones without uh, the, the one that you showed me with the the gay, uh, fear of the gay agenda. That was Effie was also oh, no peace underground. Yeah, no, no peace, peace underground. underground. That was a fantastic show, uh, and I'm really sad that no peace underground took a hit because it's one of the few smaller companies that had a little bit of money issue. Uh, hopefully they'll come back. So, yeah, I'm sure. Um, that. I'm, well, there's the, the genius thing about No Peace is they do no ring death matches, so you can pretty much do them anywhere. Well, it, anywhere it, it that was, doesn't mind you bleeding all over their floor. But um, it also showed I, I was really impressed how much inclusivity there actually is on the independent level. I was saying that this year um, that I saw women wrestling death matches. I saw uh, every color of the rainbow. Uh, LGBTQ, that's, every Max That's one Taylor. thing about wrestling. <laughs> that's one thing about wrestling is back in the day, it was very, you know, people have this view of it as like steroids and toxic masculinity and giant muscle-bound dudes. And, but now it is absolutely the most inclusive environment. Like I, there is no prejudice whatsoever against anybody's, you know, race, gender, beliefs, whatever, backstage at a wrestling show. Everyone, well, and, you know, and it's okay to talk about a past of another person's show. You can talk about their older promotions. So, if that, you know, like the, the yeah. Lucha Bros that were, were on, you know, Lucha Underground, you can talk about that now. Or they were, did wrestle a stint in New Japan, like Omega definitely did. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, can't, you don't have yeah. to ignore that. But no, it's, it's wrestling in 2021. That's one of the coolest things that I've seen is it's – it's become so much more open and so much, like you said, inclusive and companies have started working together and it feels like the wrestling world just has gotten bigger in general. And that's, that's one of the coolest things about wrestling this year. And it's approachable to the masses yet. There's still a niche market still have to figure out how to get the audiences from GCW to be as ravenous at some of the other promotions because I've never seen, like I was at ring of honor and all of us were talking about like GCW's audience. Like how do we get, mm-hmm. because they said that if we had the ravenous sound base that GCW did for ring of honor, ring of honor might still be running. Um, and they mm-hmm. have a pretty, ra- they had a pretty solid fan base. Like I was talking to a bunch of people there and they, they, they they're all AW geeks and they're all ring of honor geeks and, it kind of bleeds over, obviously, yep. um, that you're allowed to talk about it, which is another one of my favorite things about wrestling this year. Uh, let's let's move on to pay-per-views <laughs> we saw, real quick. Like we okay, saw, for, for example, for example, one of the best things I saw this year was, well, two CM Punk promos, one against MJF and one against Eddie Kingston. 
Oh, that's right. In the Eddie Eddie Kingston CM Punk one, they discussed their history backstage in Ring of Honor. In the MJF CM Punk one, they took jabs at each other by calling them di- uh, different WWE wrestlers. So yeah, they're it, actually it's become much bigger, and we're now acknowledging each other's existence. And Kingston is bringing history to it, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, and and it's, it's actually it. fleshing them out. Yeah, it, it's kind of cool. I, I do enjoy that. Um, but let's let's move on to the pay per views. Um, and I it. saw one one Japanese pay per view this year, uh, which was the American Le- LA version of New Japan Pro Wrestling because Lance Archer was defending a belt and lost it, and <laughs> very promptly lost it. Uh, but it was still cool to see, uh, and then Will Osprey's main event. So what was that? Was Avenge? What was the name of that? Resurgence, I think it was called. You, uh, do you remember yes, that? Resurgence. Yeah. So yep. that was pretty cool. I saw that. I saw Double or Nothing. I saw Full Gear. I'm missing one. All In. I saw all of those this cool. year. As far as major major company. Pay-per-view, well, as far as independent pay-per-views or i-pay-per-views, Masters of Pain. Easy. Um, um, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I think Master of Pain might have been one of the best overall shows, period, of any promotion this year. Um, I would call it the second best show of the year. Like, yeah. oh, all, all over your... second best show of the year behind Full Gear. Full Gear, I think, was my favorite, absolutely my favorite pay-per-view of the year. Though uh, so I will give a shout-out to Final Battle, because technically the Ring of Honor I went to see was the very last show, and it was a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't see the also pay-per-view give yet. A, also want to so. give a shout-out to Wrestle Kingdom, which Wrestle Kingdom is the uh, the New Japan show that always kicks off the new year and kind of sets a high bar usually for matches after that. And this year's was awesome. I'm really looking forward to that coming up in like two weeks. Yeah, there's a lot of good wrestling in the near future, um, especially since now we're going to get two full shows. Like they're splitting Rampage and uh, Dynamite up. Uh, that'll be interesting. Yep. Um, so I, I would say Full Gear, though, was not only was it like some great wrestling, but there was actually some decent writing on this show. Uh, and and mm-hmm. it, there was this whole like story arc happening and, and you know the people are very very underrated storytellers are professional wrestlers because they tell stories with their oh, bodies. absolutely but they also tell but they're also really good you know they, they, it, but every it, it felt it it had weight to it like it's a, my favorite steel cage match of the year was the lucha bros and uh and uh, young bucks. I mean, that was some bouncy shit, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I mean, if you look shit. back at full gear, the Lucha, the Lucha Bros are Lucha Bros are real. They're neck and neck with a couple others. My favorite tag team of the year. Uh, yeah. What is your favorite tag team of the year? It's it's a toss up between the Lucha Bros and the Briscoes. Ah, oh, see, there's the Briscoes, Ring of Honor. Um, so, uh, I would, I, I would, I'm actually hands down. I think it's Lucha Bros. I mean, Penta and Ray Phoenix, you can't really go wrong with either one of those people. Really, seriously. Um, I would also give a shout out to FTR, who I got to see live a couple times now. Um, and I know you really like FTR as well. FTR is fantastic. Uh, FTR yeah. is like, if you took the Midnight Express out of the eighties and plopped them down in 2021, it would be FTR. 
Nice. Um, let's see. What about other than, let's see, is there anything we have? Uh, fa- fa- what was his favorite single wrestler, like, uh, of any promotions? Like, what, what, what were your favorites? Oh. MVP. Yeah, the MVP. Uh, again? I, okay. If we're going MVP, my number two would be Shingo Takagi from New Japan. Uh-huh. But barely edging him out. and Which is funny because dude didn't do shit for the first, like, two-thirds of the year. But all of a sudden, he's, in a very short time, put on nothing but world-class matches as Brian Danielson. He's been really good. And he's healing, and his healing is good. Like, he was healing he's such today. He's a good heel. Yeah, he's not bad. He, he, he's just that, he's that little cocky dickhead heel that, like, will talk shit, but you know he could kick the shit out of you, so you just hate him even more. Um, I I want to say one person that did grow on me this year, and um, I and I just saw a match with him today, and um, is uh, baby, uh, <laughs> Adam <laughs> you know, Cole, baby, Adam it's Cole. Cole yeah, here's, he, he has my favorite entrance of the year. I love his entrance. Everyone loves his entrance. His music's good, and everyone's like, boom. <laughs> mere weeks ago, you were asking me, what the what is the big deal about Adam Cole? I don't he get it. He grew on me. And it did I, not I take long. It it no. didn't take long for him to convert you. That's the power of Adam Cole. Yeah, well, because he's, he's, him and his, his relation with the Young Bucks, which, by the way, oh, my God, you've got to watch the first match of tonight's and we really need to talk about it like seriously a lot of shit went down on that first that but that first match um <laughs> and it has to do with adam cole and it's something you predicted and anyway it, it, it it's cool of course but, it um, is <laughs> so uh, you're really good at that shit um let's see what is your favorite entrance of the year like when we walk on stage I said Adam Cole is my favorite this year. Other than singing Fozzy. I mean. Okay. Um, What was my favorite one-time entrance? No, it can be be any entrance. No, no, I'm going to give two. Okay, okay, my favorite wrestler's entrance that is consistently the best over the course of the year is Nick Gage. When the GCW crowd just, it's a mob scene every it's time he comes out. what they, like, I'm surprised they don't rip him apart. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's like Beatlemania for a deathmatch wrestler. I but mean, how do we get that my favorite, crowd? My favorite single entrance, barely edging out CM Punk's debut in Chicago, barely edging that out, is another CM Punk entrance. In Long Island, New York, <laughs> when they when they played MJF's music and he walked out, and it was it, it's it's a heel moment that I I kept saying they should do that for his uh, introduction, but I'm kind of glad they held it off until then because that was just that was perfectly executed. And in the same uh, that same promotion, 
They also gave my single favorite line of the year, and it was about Roddy Piper. It was like, you're not Roddy Piper. You're like Roddy Piper. Roddy Piper was in Hell Comes to Frogtown. Is, you're saying is, you're better than Roddy Piper in Portland. You're not even better than Roddy, Roddy Piper in Hell Comes to Frogtown. Frogtown. Yes. So, I mean, that was like a fall laugh out loud kind of moment. Um, and, and so that was cool. Um, I would. I also want to give a shout out MJF's acting. Um, I would say as an actor, not just his on the sticks, but as a, like a, like a a performer. Like he is probably like I don't know why he isn't doing movies. I think he's that good. What I love about him is if you see like there's videos of people walking up to him on the street, recognizing him or interacting with him at a convention or whatever. He never drops that character. Like, it's almost thing with him, where he just, like, you have no idea where the character begins and the real person begins. It, it's, and even his parents are fantastic with, the, you know, <laughs> we're his parents and we don't like him either. Uh, you know, it's just like, all and, then over he just, and then he just tweets, fuck you, mom. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, it is. I mean, he taught. That's a he was even, He was talking shit about the kid from Varsity Blondes to his mom. Yep. Which is like, it's like, like <laughs> that was just like the like the most insulting thing you could possibly do in that hood, and he did it. He went there, and obviously they were probably oh, in no, on the, it, but still. <laughs> JF's best moment of that because he's in Cincinnati, where Brian Pillman's a god. And he comes out, and he looks up into the sky and starts talking to Brian Tillman about his son. And he goes, oh, who am I kidding? And looks down to hell and starts talking to Brian. That's right. One of the best heel moments ever. Uh, that's right. Like, not just this year, that. but ever. I forgot about that. So, I mean, um, let's see. I'm trying. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Sudeika. We haven't talked about her. She came out of Mexico oh, City with a gun blazing. Yeah, and did a bunch uh, of the only way we knew matches. her was from a there was a there was a video that went viral a while back of her power bombing a chick to a car windshield at Zona Thirteen, and that was the only place we had seen. We, we didn't know what, even know what her name was. We just saw this clip and everyone saw it, and then bam, she went up at shows I'm like. That's that chick, and she just she's crazy. She's insane, and she's a beast. We actually and, watched her do a live match with John Wayne Murdoch, who's the top uh, winning in ICW, uh, a title match out of nowhere. Right? I mean, it was just like, whoa. You know what? What got me about that match, and what made me like think, holy shit, those two are two of the best in the business right now, is because. Those shows attract a quote unquote smart crowd. Like we know we pay attention to what's going on backstage. We understand the art of wrestling. We you know, we've seen a million things. After that match, the crowd was buzzing and people asking each other, Was was that supposed to happen? Like did, did, like that was a weird ass end. Did that did they I, I, did that I work wasn't right? Sure. It was such an awkward the, ending. I wasn't sure if that was and the fact that you, if you can work a crowd that has seen it all, you're doing something right. And and 
we're going to end this note on one final thing, and it's about you, sir. And one of my favorite things this year is you got to call oh. Carnage Cup this year during one of the most controversial oh, moments God. in all of wrestling. This year, uh. and on a on a weekend where the where Nick Gage was wrestling, who was he wrestling? Someone really big. Um, it might have been for I the don't crowd. remember. You know why? It might have been Moxley. You know why I don't it, remember? Because IWA Deep South stole all the headlines that weekend. Yes, that's right. You did. You did. So why don't we finish up with Carnage Cup and then go out for the night? I think we've talked. I mean, we've <laughs> we, talked. We, well, we became the way. talk of the wrestling world, and all we had to do was cut somebody's finger off. Or <laughs> it, it was explosion, an explosion on a web of heat, of of support. There was a, a decent amount of support out there, but a yeah, lot of fucking heat. What, <laughs> what got the thing, that when I knew that it blew up, was, well, first of all, people I don't even know were messaging me, asking me, like, did y'all really do it? Like, people I'd never even talked to. But for the last few years, couple of years, my daily ritual is when I clock into work, as I, you know, open everything up, I watch the wrestling news on Cultaholic on YouTube. And just like any other day, that Monday, I open it up, and there it is. Wrestler cuts, uh, cuts opponent's finger off in Matt on Cultaholic. I'm like, all right, we, we made it. Because they've only talked about two uh, deathmatch wrestling companies in their history as GCW and now IWA Deep South. So we'll see where that story goes because I don't think we've heard the last of that one. So um, if someone cut your finger off with bolt cutters, wouldn't you want to get back at them? I would think so. Uh, Hopefully they were able to reattach that finger. So. Absolutely. Well, no, if, there... if we're, we're going to wrap up wrestling for this year, yep. I think just the best thing home. that happened this year was in the wake of the corona pandemic, we saw indie wrestling carry on and be a viable form of entertainment that was able to adapt and continue to exist. It was for a long time there, it was one of the only live entertainment options you had. And we have managed to grow independent wrestling that way. That's how the Summer of Death happened, and Deathmatch Wrestling is the most popular it's been in America ever. And we're, we're just going to see it rise in the future because everyone is now a little more connected. Everyone is supporting each other a little more, and everybody is growing. So I'm just going to say to everyone out there, please go out and buy tickets to a local show. It could be in a National Guard armory or a gym somewhere, all the way up to, you know, theaters, wherever. There's, they're a lot like haunted houses. They're wrestling promotions in the independence of every size, every shape, and every flavor. No matter what you're into, you're going to find something you like. So get and out there often it's and support a $10 independent ticket. wrestling. I mean, it, 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 it's yeah. often in, uh, not even that expensive, even for a really nice show. Like, I yeah. think the most expensive, even Ring of Honor was only $40. So, 
So yeah. and the thing about it yeah. is, if you go to something like AEW or WWE, you're yeah. Even if you have the best seats in the house, if you're front row, you're still like what twenty feet back behind a big barricade with security guards keeping you from the ring and all that. You go to a wrestling show, there's a good chance a wrestler's going to land on you. You're going to get to talk to them. You are up close to the ring. It's a much more intimate setting, and therefore it's a much more uh, the intimate personal experience of the show. Uh, and and it's also like just there's nothing like a live show, anyways. I mean, go to your live shows, no matter if they're a ring or a stage, um, and go see movies on the big screen. And there's nothing like that, and there never will be again. Uh, so no, I don't I, care how big we, your screen is, or how good your surround sound is, or how blue your ray is, or whatever. <laughs> but it will never equal the theater. No, and I would think that I hope that now that. Well, I mean, if Omnicron doesn't fuck things up, um, that next year people will rediscover these things again and even be bigger than it was this year. So let's hope. Go see wrestling. Go see, like, do it safely. Wear your masks. Take precautions. Whatever. Wear your mask. Get your shots. All that kind of good stuff. But go to wrestling. Go to concerts. Go to movies. Go to stuff. Like, I, I think. The, like, we have let everything contract us so much when we have to stay inside, but now people are used to staying inside. Oh, be safe about it, but get back out there and have experiences. Experiences make you happier than acquisition. It's actually psychological fact. Even going Absolutely. to a collective experience of seeing a movie is enough. So do that. Go out. Be with other people. You can social distance and still see a movie. It is possible. Uh, I do it all the time. Uh, yep. And we, we will get through this. And hopefully, I, I don't, the, as, as Joe Bob says, the drive-in will never die. So let's no, go support to your drive-in. drive-in. That, that, like, go to, yeah, drive-ins are another safe option and fun option. I, it's, that's the best one I did during COVID. Was I, my, when I started dating again, I went to a couple of drive-in shows. So yeah, you know, it was, it was good. As, so, as, as my last as my last statement on this show, and the last time I will get to speak to the audience, and I'll then you I'll, final word is all yours. The voice of violence is raising a toast, and I would like you all to raise a toast with me if you have a drink right. out there. I, I have Here's I have a drink. All, all right. Here is to all the wonderful experiences 2022 holds. Here, here. And we'll talk about those experiences, drink. At the beginning of the next season, if uh, we exist, it will be season eight of Archivist That's Unsexy, which is, I might redefine it, and I'm also thinking about doing a spinoff show where we talk about wrestling specifically, uh, <clears throat> but I don't know what that's going to look like yet. But all that could happen in the next season. So if you're listening to the show or have been listening to the show, thank you for your support all these years. Um, and we got 17 episodes in this year, which is fantastic. Um, <coughs> so, um, Nathan, thank you for being my new uh, host on the show. I really appreciate you helping out this year. Absolutely. Thanks. Always a yeah. pleasure. We were lost the host last year, so he pitched in, and he's been a valuable asset, and he always has been. We've been collaborating together now for over 10 years 
on horror and panels and things like that. But I hope the collaboration continues because I think we're pretty good at writing together and planning and plotting, especially plotting. We're very good at that. (laughs) And um, I also want to thank Raven and Aaron for the support all these years as well. And of course, it's happy holidays, happy solstice, uh, you know, all those things. Watch out for Whamageddon's and the Sexy Witches went down this week. So uh, Raven's the last one standing. So hopefully she'll survive Wham and happy holidays. Um, I'm going to leave us tonight, Nathan, with um, Stephen Sondheim. And I'm going to play uh, Angela Lansbury singing A Little Priest from Sweeney Todd. Because what's this Christmas more than a pie made of a human that tastes delicious? Well, you know, I was just listening to that earlier. Fantastic. So... Thank you all. Have a good night. Bless you. League of Film Hunting. Our premiere episode will be the 9th of February, the day after the nominations of the uh, Oscars drop, and that'll be our best films of 2021. So much love and madness. Good night, everyone. That's all very well, but what are we going to do about the Italian? Later on, when it's dark, we'll take him out of the trunk and bury him. Well, yes, of course, we could do that. I don't suppose he's got new relatives going to come poking around looking for him. Well, you know me. Bright ideas just pop into my head and I keep thinking. Seems a downright shame. Shame? Seems an awful waste. Such a nice plump frame. What's his name as? As has. Nor it can't be traced. Business needs our lips. Get to be a race. Think of it as thrift, as a gift. If you get my thrift, no, seems an awful waste. I mean, with the price of meat, what it is when you get it, if you get it, huh? Good you got it. Take for instance Mrs. Mooney at a pie shop. Business ever better using ugly pussy cats and toast. And a pussy's good for maybe six or seven at the most. And I'm sure they can't compare as far as taste. Mrs. Lovett, what a charming notion well, and I'm practical and not appropriate white. as always. Mrs. Lovett, how I'd live without you all these years, I'll never know. Think about it, lots of other gentlemen will soon be coming for a shame. Won't that be the sound of the world out there. What is it on? What is it on? What is that sound? Those crunching noises pervading the air. Yes, Mr. Toddy, yes, Mr. Toddy, yes, all around. It's man devouring man, my dear. And who are we to deny it in here? Ah, these are desperate times, Mrs. Lovett. And desperate measures must be taken. Here we are now, hot after the oven. What is that? It's priest. Have a little priest. Is it really good? That is too good, at least. Then again, they don't come mixing all the flesh. So it's pretty fresh. Awful lot of fat. Only where it's fat. Haven't you got poet or something like that? Now you see the trouble with poet is how do you know disease? Why the priest? 
heavenly. Not as hearty as Bishop, perhaps, but then not as bland as Curate, either. Good for business, too. Always leaves you wanting more. Trouble is, we only get it on Sundays. Lawyer's rather nice. If it's for a price. Order something else, so to follow, since no one should swallow it twice. Have you any dean? No, but if you're British and loyal, you might enjoy Royal Marine. Anyway, it's clean, though of course it tastes of wherever it's been. Is that squire on the fire? Most he knows, so look close up, you'll notice it's a Looks thicker, more like thicker. No, it has to be grosser, it's green. <laughs> <laughs> History of the world, my love. Save a lot of grapes, do a lot of relative favors. Is those below serving those up above? Everybody shaves, so there should be plenty of papers. How gratifying for once to know that those above will serve those down below. Now, let me see. Are uh, we got a uh, tinker? No, no. Something pinker. Taylor. Paler. Butler. Sussler. Potter. Potter. Locksmith. Lovely bit of clock. Maybe for a lark. Then again, the sweet, if you want it cheap and you like it dark. Trouble financier. Pick up his career. That was pretty rank. When he drank, it's a bank cashier. Last one really sold. Wasn't quite so old. Have you any beetles? Next week, so I'm told. Beetle isn't bad till you smell it. And no beetles are worse than green. Next to green. <laughs> now, this might be a bit stringy, but then, of course, it's a fiddle player. No, no. This isn't fiddle player. It's piccolo player. How can you tell? It's piping hot. Then blow on it first. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the world, my sweet. Oh, Mr. Todd, oh, Mr. Todd, what does it tell? Is who gets eaten and who gets to eat. And Mr. Todd, too, Mr. Todd, who gets to sell. But fortunately, it's all so clear that everybody goes out well with me. Admiral. Too salty. I prefer general. With or without his pride. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? It's fox. Finest in the shop. And we have some shepherds, five peppered with actual shepherd on top. And I've just begun. He's a politician so oily. He's served with a doily as one. Put it on a bum. Well, you never know if it's going to run. Where's the fryer? Find the fryer. No, the clergy is really too coarse and too mealy. Yes, and always arrives overdone. I'll come again when you have judge on the menu. Have charity towards the world. 